Howard from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Drew Estate Studio in California. It's episode 295 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we welcome back Jeff Borshowitz of Corona Cigar Company and Florida Sun Grown Tobacco Farm as our special guest. And as always, Primetime is sponsored by Saga Cigars. Dayless Race introduced another chapter to Saga. Saga Celez. Sledge is a Spanish word that means leisure after work and a spirit of a standing idea of owning your own journey and making your own saga. Saga Sledge is the perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. Saga Sledge covers a blend of Criollo Lore and Peloto Cubano, wrapped in a selected Ecuador Shade Claro wrapper that uh, delivers a surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. It's available in four sizes at an affordable price at your retail for Saga Sledge. And by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal. The Perdomo 20th anniversary brand is consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th anniversary blend requires tobacco, has been carefully hand selected, and a well aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers a smooth, creamy Ecuador in Connecticut, a rich earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan cigar, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combine these beautifully barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo 30th Anniversary, Perdomo Double H 12-year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary, Perdomo Bono Bourbon Barrel-Aged, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Minso 70 and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at PerdomoCigars.com. And by Cavalier Geneve, Cavalier Cigars, Cavalier Cigars. Smoke gold and stay gold. Join the inner circle and follow Cavalier Cigars on Instagram at Cavalier underscore cigars and on Facebook at Cavalier Geneve Cigars. That's Geneve, G-E-N-E-V-E. Visit your local tobacconist. Join that movement that is Cavalier Cigars. They're consistently regarded highly by cigar lovers everywhere, as well as high ratings by the Cigar Industry Press. And again, you want to follow them on Instagram at Cavalier underscore cigars because they do some very unique giveaways throughout the whole year. Cavalier Cigars, smoke gold, and stay gold. And of course, we want to mention Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, they Take pride that they are cigar fanatics just like you. That's why you'll find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, they have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from famous international cigar makers such as Padrone, Drew Estate, Agonor's Leaf, and many more. They have the best cigar selection, best customer service, and money-saving discount cigar prices. But don't just take their word for it. Forbes Magazine has selected Corona Cigar Company best of the web. Corona Cigar was voted a top five internet cigar retail by Smoke Magazine. And Cigar Aficionado wrote, Corona Cigar Company, the largest best stock cigar shop in America. You can place an order online at coronacigar.com or visit one of Corona's five Central Florida cigar superstars and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. And of course, we want to mention Drew Estate. Dark, bold, and unapologetic. Black and Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, and darkest and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. This is a masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distilling's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew. The all Maduro blackened cigars M81 by Drew Estate is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced, offering tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate, espresso that's perfect for life celebrations and times of reflection. You can find them at your Drew Diplomat retailer, and as always, 
all the live streams for the primetime network shows, as well as the California studios for the primetime show, sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Well, welcome, everybody. This is primetime episode 295. Today is Thursday, February 1st, 2024. Will Cooper, I am in the Perdomo Scott Studios on the Black Stage. I'm joined cross-country by my good friend and colleague, Mr. Aaron Loomis. How you doing tonight, Will? I am I am doing good. I, we're not on vacation, right? Everyone's on vacation in Vegas, but but us three tonight, right? So exactly, yeah, we're not on it vacation. Seems, it seems like a you know pretty secluded location as well, like quiet kind of off the grid, really yeah. quiet and yeah, quiet. You know, yeah, and I'm, I, <laughs> plenty of like you know uh, time for you know, selfies with your friends, selfies with your friends, and if you want to explore, nobody some bothering other you products. Yeah, nobody bothering <laughs> you, like. Uh, Great, plenty of lounge chairs. So oh, yep. we're being we're being we're being too mean now. So, uh, so but no, it's yeah. So we're not there. Uh, and uh, but we're here today. Um, and I don't I don't know what else is really happening this week other than uh, we we did the recap show Monday night, so that kind of puts yep. I think a bow on the twenty twenty three. So that was a lot of fun we had with that. Um, I'm looking forward. The analytics come out tomorrow, right? Correct. Yeah, and I like that because then you see how all the DP guys have scored, and Aaron slices and dices it by a lot of different categories. Uh, yep. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So that's that will be February second. If you're watching this on replay, it should already be out. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, hey, why don't we introduce our special guest right now? Because it's been a Absolutely. while since we had this guy on, and I'm really excited. Um, I feel kind of bad because normally I do the show with him in Florida. So I feel I'm missing something, but a uh, good friend of the show, great supporter of ours. He's Jeff Borshowitz of Corona Cigar Company and the Florida Sun Grown Tobacco Farm. Jeff, welcome back to Primetime. How you doing, Will? Thanks for having me on the show, Aaron. Great seeing you. You know, I feel really relaxed whenever I do the show because we've been doing this a long time. You guys yeah. have been doing the show forever. And uh, I kind of feel like just like family, it's easy to talk about any subject and, and, uh, you know, you guys, you guys definitely know your stuff and I always enjoy spending time with you and you guys do a great job. So I'm an open book, whatever we want to talk about tonight, you know, nothing's really off limits as long as it doesn't get your show canceled. No, <laughs> we're okay. I'm sorry if we went a little far with the jokes at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, no. So we may have gotten into enough trouble with that one. Hey, so Jeff, actually, I got to just start off with a little story. I, I held off on telling this to the air. So I did make a quick run through Orlando on the way to Tampa because I was basically hired to be Jose Blanco's driver in Tampa, which is a whole <laughs> other story. So I cruised in through Orlando. It was, I, and I didn't know what my schedule was going to be like. I cruised into Orlando. Jeff, I must have gotten uh, in Orlando about 9.30 to Sand Lake. And I went into the store. And by the way, it was a Wednesday night. You guys were, no, Thursday night. You guys were packed. Okay. I mean, it was, and I had someone in the store helping me out. And it was a younger guy, and he was very, very knowledgeable, very professional. I mean, I was blown away by his knowledge because I was looking for some of the – I was looking for the Mirafell cigars, actually. And, um, you know, he, he knew, like, a lot about it. And then I looked at his name tag, and I, I understood why. It was Boris who helped me out. Nice. And, <laughs> well, and Thanks for, the, yeah. thanks for the, the good feedback on that. Yeah, I didn't know it till, like I said, when I looked up at his badge, and I, I, I should have, but I remember him running around your office at like three years old. That's why I'm like, well, he's working there now, so it's great. Yeah, the upstairs next to my office, he had like a playroom, and he still has the claw <laughs> machine that's in there and stuff. But yeah, my son is, is uh, he's really enjoying it. 
he's 18 now. He's yeah. uh he's a big kid too. So a lot of times when people see him, they didn't realize that it was a little Boris. He is big. He is big. But he's, he... he's actually at the store right now, working right now. Wow. And, uh, and you know, Coop, this is an interesting story because, you know, I, I'll never forget when you had your first cigar with your son at Corona Cigar. Yep. Um, Boris, you know, every year we take our RV trip and we drive it out to Las Vegas for the PCA show and stuff. And I think it was last year and the year before, but last year especially, he was wanting to smoke a cigar while we're driving down the road. Right. And uh, I was all for it, right? But his mom was like, no, you are not having a cigar till you're 18. I think it was more of a principal thing. Right. <laughs> so he literally, it was, it was his 18th birthday, man. We had a first cigar. Uh, we had it right here in the backyard. But the, uh, but yeah, he, he would, it's something that he really, um, he wanted to have a cigar and he's really enjoyed them. And the, the, the kid's got a good palate as far as distinguishing between the different flavor profiles and stuff. And believe it or not, he likes cigars a little stronger than me. So, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm not a real full body cigar guy anyway, but it was neat. You know how you'll never forget the first time you had a cigar with your son, right? Yeah. Uh, the first cigar that Boris and I shared was a Boris 11 that, uh, I love that cigar. The, I folks, that was, yes. Yeah. So, so folks that don't know, Abu Vezin was Boris's godfather. And, uh, right after boris was born he made those boris 11s they were perfecto and basically they were the, they were the avo 22 blend so it was a really really nice cigar um that cigar actually was because it started out mild it was actually better when it was younger than with age you know milder cigars don't right. tend to age as well as a full body yeah. cigar but still it was really nice having that and then our second cigar um uh, eric bobby and his father stanford newman um they made a box of Cuesta Rays, glass tubes, and this is Boris Boris, so it's, you know, uh, you know, it's a boy. And uh, we saved those from when he was born, and we smoked those too. So, the, you know, the memories, we'll never forget that, and uh, and I enjoy it. And uh, there's nothing better than smoking a cigar with your son, you know, spending that time with him. And yeah. so, yeah, I cherish that moment. And so I get it, you know, I get it, I get it exactly what it was like when you were smoking a cigar with your son. And, and uh, yeah, those are great moments. Yeah, when Timmy did it, uh, when we did it down to Corona, he he was, I didn't get to see him on his birthday, so it mm -hmm. was about a week later, and he waited, he waited for me to come down there, which I I thought was, I was really yeah. happy, um, so, and so so Coop, you know how they say sometimes a cigar is more than a cigar? That's yeah, a perfect example. Yeah, he, he waited because yeah. it, it was more than just trying a cigar yeah. for the first time. It was, right. it was about spending time with Dad. So yeah. And then what was really cool is you had the – this is when Warp Cigars was first hitting the scene. Yeah. And some of those cigars were a little limited, and there was limited sales. And uh, I managed to get him in for a couple of times to get those cigars, you know, <laughs> when they were available for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, uh, Mc, John McTavish, who's on Aaron's team, we've talked about that story a few times. He's like, yeah, you had the end because that's when Timmy was going to full sale. So, uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad that you guys got to share that experience, and I did yeah. too. And yes, uh, I, Boris, a lot of times, you know, he he's there to do a good job, and he, yeah, he doesn't really, tell people, you know, hey, you know, Jeff's my dad or anything. He always. I asked him if he, I asked him if you Jeff's son. He said, yeah, and he just, you know, he was, you know, uh, but very professional. Um, and um, like I said, it, I was really blown away. He had a lot of knowledge, and you know, he just was very helpful for me because I, um. So it was, it was good. Then I was over in Tampa with Jose and I went to Tampa 
on Sunday. So uh, uh, we had a so good time. To, back to uh, Boris and, the, and, and mm-hmm. the knowledge. What's interesting is that we have a lot of young guys that work at Corona Cigar, and mm-hmm. these guys are really cigar enthusiasts. And it's neat to see that next generation of cigar guys um, being, especially being um, so knowledgeable at a younger age. Yeah. You know, these guys are 18, 19, yeah. 21 and stuff. And it's like, man, these guys really, they smoke good cigars and, and yeah. they know they, you know, yeah. you start throwing these, you know, super premium brands and names and stuff. They know. And yeah. So it's really cool to see that um, that younger group is just, these guys are real uh, cigar aficionados at a, at a at a much younger age with knowledge than what you know what all of us probably did because we didn't yeah. have the internet and shows like this and you know there just wasn't all that information. These guys soak it up. Yeah, uh, you know, Timmy, my son went to go work at my local shop. Right, I think I don't know if it's harder working for your dad or if your dad is the customer. Okay, because I broke his balls when 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 he was there <laughs> on everything. Right. But he would he was getting into it and he was really impressed like when like a company would send out a training kit and actually Saka did that uh, where he they tra- a training kit on how to sell the cigar. He was like, why don't more companies do this? He said, I said, well, you know, it's, it's Steve and all he's in that. But he was re- when that, when those things would happen, he got really into it. It's an interesting thing you brought that up. By the way, it's harder to work, uh, whether it's customer or dad or whatever. It's actually mom working with Tanya. <laughs> oh. Tanya's, the ham- Tanya's the hammer. And so oh, he's yeah. got to make sure he does a good job for that. Yeah. But as far as the uh, uh, training and stuff, because it's interesting you bring that up, because that's one of the biggest areas that we um, are wanting to focus on with our suppliers this year. I know we're going to talk about our top 25 list and yep. stuff, but really um, training something that, it has to be ongoing because of that new group of, of sales associates and guys that are getting yeah. into the, into the uh, industry. And we take it for granted that, you know, to us, you know, Padron, Davidoff, uh, uh, Fuente, these are all staple brands, right? They've been around mm-hmm. forever for us. Yeah. But when you're starting out, that brand is just as new as a lot of the newcomer brands that we have in the store too. Right. Yeah. So they have to, you have to, that process um, can never stop if you want to if you if you want to be top of mind with the uh, with the sales associates. Yeah, I agree. I agree a thousand percent on that uh, for sure. Um, so, yeah, that, um, you know, and it's good. To, like I said, I, I think it's, I, you know, I'd like to see a lot more companies do. I've seen like I said, I've seen some of the companies come through town and do it and some don't. And I'd yeah. like to see obviously a lot more do it. Well, there's obviously resources. It, it takes a lot of time and money to put people on the road to do that. But either yeah. way, it's just um, yeah. You know, sometimes people forget. So yeah, no, they forget. And I know some. I've seen some like companies come in when when uh, as part of an event series, they'll do training for the staff in the afternoon. Yeah. So that that kind of you could, there's ways they could do it. But yeah, I agree. It, it's a uh, very good. But yeah, you, you and Tanya should be very proud of that. Yeah, that's uh, and I saw your other son was landing a plane today. So yeah, uh, so- wow. <laughs> So my younger, my, my 15 year old, uh, this kid's wanted to be a pilot for the, the air force, uh, actually wanted to do army, wanted to fly an A-10 Warthogs, but those are going to be out of service. Oh, but anyway, wow. so, so he's been flying since he was actually 13. Um, he's too young to do his first solo, but he's got, he's got quite a few hours racked up, which is good because, you know, when he is old enough to solo, he'll have the, yeah he'll have the, uh, experience in there and be a safe pilot. But yeah, 
he's wanting to go when he when he gets out of high school. He he wants to hopefully get into the Air Force Academy and uh, fly the latest uh, supersonic bombers is what he'd like to do. Wow. So who knows? Wow. We'll see what comes out. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Everybody's got to have a have a dream or a goal, and uh, I hope he makes his goal. That's great. That's great. Do you do you guys own a plane? I do now. Uh, I okay. bought one uh, in the fall. Uh-huh. Um, I, I'm actually a student pilot myself now. Good for you. I, Good for you. I, uh, I started uh, in September. Listen, I, for all the dads out there watching this, I'm sure you've gone through this. Um, when Boris turned 18, that your, your son becomes more interested in his buddies and the gym and all this other stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's like, man, you, 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 uh, you miss, you, you kind of miss that stage where, yeah. uh, you know, you spend a lot of time with him. So anyway, so with Vandy and 15 and him going through all his flight training and stuff, I'm like, you know what? I need to, I want to spend some time with him. Right. So uh, I decided to join the flight school that he's at and uh, I've been taking training as well. And uh, we purchased a little Cessna that we can use as a family and um, you know, something that we can both fly. And maybe one day, you know, when we both have our instrument ratings, you know, we can switch off being a pilot and command and co-pilot. Yeah. And so I, I look forward to that because, uh, you know, he's 15 now. He'll be 18 soon. And when they go off to college or go off to wherever they go. Yeah, uh, it, it changes. Yeah, it come, it, it, yes. So yeah. you can't get that time back. So for me, that's uh, that's why I did it. And I'm enjoying it, too. I, I got to tell you, though, uh, <clears throat> and getting a private pilot license is uh, going through the training. I feel like I'm back in college. <laughs> I'm feeling a lot. I'm constantly, you know, watching these YouTube training videos and study and everything else. It's not the easiest thing in the world. That's for sure. It's more than flying a plane. That's for sure. I bet. I bet. Yeah, I bet. That's not, like I said, I've done Microsoft flight simulator. It's tough. So I mean, I can't imagine like actually doing an actual plane. So yeah, believe it or not, Microsoft flight simulator is actually really good. Uh, it's, it's best for T you know, here's the other thing. that's interesting when you're older as a student pilot, um, you have a different mindset than uh -huh. most, most student pilots are young because they're, they have a career path that they want to go fly for the airlines or whatever. Um, and one of the things about being young is that you're, you're just not as sensitive to crashing, let's say, cause you yeah. feel you're a little invincible. That's risk averse, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. When you're 55, you look at this stuff differently, you know, constantly you're thinking cause you you've had things happen, right? You've had tires blow out on your car. You've seen accidents happen. So you're like, you know, you're flying and you're like, you take a lot more serious about, Hey, if the engine quits, where do we land? You know? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, you just think differently when you're a little bit older, you're, you're more, uh, you, you, you definitely see the what if scenarios a lot yeah. clearer, I think, than when you're young. Cause you don't think it, yeah, you've just never had those bad things happen yet. So, sure. so anyway, it's interesting. Yeah, definitely. Good for you guys. I'm happy for you. Uh, Thank you. I know we could say it's been a while. Um, but big, I think the, some big news you've had is uh, store number five gets open in the Sarasota area. So congratulations on that. Thank you. That that store is finally open. We're still yeah. uh, dealing with some local political issues there, but still <laughs> the store is open. It's beautiful. Sarasota is a beautiful town. Um, yeah. So, but anyway, that's that's been the hardest store to open. I can tell you that. And uh, you know, we're having to go hand to hand combat with some anti smoking people there. But uh, wow, we'll, we'll get uh, through it. We'll get wow. through it. But it's been yeah. the toughest. You know, yeah. I feel like uh, I feel like we opened a cigar bar in San, downtown San Francisco the way some of these <laughs> yep. local activists are. Seriously, wow. So, but listen, we'll uh, we'll get through it. And some of this political stuff gets ugly too, unfortunately. But uh, yep, whatever. 
I understand. You know, each of your stores have like a vibe to it. Uh, I haven't gotten to the Sarasota one yet. Um, what can you tell us about this particular store and the vibe of it? So the vibe is very similar, let's say, the Tampa store, but okay. uh, uh, the the neighborhood is more like uh, I don't know if you ever went to Winter Park, Florida. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. it's, it's you know there's a main street, lots of shops, very high end area. Where right. Sarasota's the real estate there is super expensive. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, there's, there's a lot of money there. Um, and it's a good, safe community too. So, um, that's the vibe. That's the look of the store. We've got the LSEP team of VIP lounge upstairs, which is, uh, has the largest lounge of any of our stores as far as for a second floor with the, mm -hmm. with the VIP section. So it really turned out nice. Um, very happy with, with the way the store turned out. We're just, uh, like I said, we just got to get past, once we get past this, uh, this little political firestorm that's going after us and uh you know we, we're not giving up we're we're in there we'll we'll go we'll get through it and uh, literally there, there, yeah. there's there's some angry karens trying to take away uh the ability for people to smoke cigars outside uh you know so that's the kind of mentality we're having to deal with so huh. we'll get through it though yeah, I'm sure you'll find a way to get through it. Um, but it is I can I I sympathize for you on that as well because I know this one was a long time coming. This store, so yeah, and also we opened up during COVID. Don't forget, or or built it during COVID when yeah. everything just took forever. You know, the 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 time for anything to get built just took longer, and the governments worked at a slower pace than they ever did. So, but we're fine. Did you like? I think I was gonna. You answered my question already. As far as Sarasota, it was definitely a target market you were going after. It sounds like it's a very affluent area, so you know. Well, was, Coop, what happened there actually is it is very affluent, but yeah. Um, the landlord, there's the the landlords was the reason why I went there because it's an individual. It's always easier to do business with individuals than it is with corporations and stuff because you got one decision maker, right? Right. And, and this guy really wanted us there. He owns quite a few properties downtown. He's like, listen, I love what you did in your, your Tampa store. I want that in downtown Sarasota. And he goes, I got the perfect corner, perfect building for you. So when you have a motivated landlord, believe it or not, when you open a cigar store or cigar bar, that's, you know, demographics and location are, are one, but you better have a, a motivated landlord as well because, one of the biggest challenges that anybody that owns cigar stores knows that if you get another tenant next to you that's complaining about the smoke or whatever, yeah, um, you can you know you can lose your lease or they can move you to a, a bad section of the of the center or whatever. So just by having a landlord that's on board with what you do, uh, and especially you know we're just not just a cigar store, we're a cigar store or the full liquor bar as well. Yeah. So that's two things that make. Um, publicly traded companies uh, or risk averse companies nervous, right? Because alcohol yeah. and, and tobacco, right? So um, so between the, the great neighborhood location and a motivated landlord, it was like, all right, let's do this. Um, there is a couple of drawbacks of Florida though. Since COVID, the traffic in Florida has gotten really, really bad. Oh, it's um, like, yeah. <laughs> our infrastructure just wasn't prepared for so many people to come down here in such yeah. a short amount of time. Yeah. So the, the, the interstates are clogged, the roads are clogged. So what used to take, you know, I used to be able to go from Orlando to Tampa and get there in uh, 50 minutes. Now it's right. an hour and 50 minutes each right. way. And, I, and it can get worse too. If you get an accident, it could be, you know, two, three hours each direction. You go to Sarasota, you just can't do it in a day. So um, it becomes more challenging now that the, the state's a little harder to get around, but we, you know, we'll get through it. And Hey, it's one more reason for me to learn how to fly that plane and get my yeah. instrument rating so I can go, you know, go to these stores, get back and, and do it within a, a 
you know, one day. So yeah, that would we'll be, get through it. That would be good. I remember when you and I first met. I remember you. The city of Orlando was giving you a lot of heartache with that downtown store. Am I? Am I I think I'm right. Yeah, but that that was short lived. And the reason being is um, we had a motivated landlord there too. Um, Mm -hmm. And what happened with us in our downtown wasn't really the city, it was more that the the shovel ready projects the Obama administration did once they got, uh, you know, 2008. They had that, remember that that stimulus package where all the money was being spent on stuff? Well, four and a half million dollars of the stimulus shovel ready projects went to the Orlando health department to ban smoking and, uh, outside and inside, uh, and bars and all that other stuff. So it, it was more of a, a federal funding thing that targeted our, our community, but we got through that as well too. So, uh, but that we had, you know, the state law was on our side on that. You can't have a, a local government ban, uh, you know, pass uh, stricter, um, smoking ban. So we, we won that. So, so yeah, you, you know, listen, politics, you know, I'm active in politics. I'm constantly involved, whether it's local state, uh, city, but when you're, if you're in this industry, you have to be, I'm tell everybody ever wants to be in the cigar business. If you're not in a politics, you're, you're putting yourself at risk and you're really, um, it's, you you have to be, because otherwise there, it's just a matter of time. Or somebody, some person, some movement is going to try and put your store out of business. So you got to you yeah, be yeah. prepared for it. Yeah. Yeah. Good point, Jeff. Uh, we were talking before the show. Uh, I, I First time I missed the barn smoker, and then you told me it was the best one ever. So I got you. Oh, crap. So give us a yeah. little update on the barn smoker here. Uh, obviously, you felt it went very well this year. Yeah, I was so happy. And I got to tell you, I was really nervous about it, too, because – Last year for Drew Estate, they had a whole new team that was doing the barn smoker. And there's yeah. a lot of work that goes into a barn smoker. It's yeah. like a small carnival, right? A yep. lot of planning, a lot of different vendors. There's a lot of, you know, people come for the day and see what happens at the at the, at the farm. But literally, the, the the let's call it the carnival crew, these guys start coming in a week before. Yeah. So, they're, you know, all those tents have to be set up, all the generators, all the cabling. There's a lot of work. So, anyway, um, I was nervous because they had a new team. But uh, Christine from Drew Estate did a wonderful job, uh, you know, but we also had the benefit. We were the last one. We were the finale of right. the Barn Smoker Tour, which that was a great change. Normally, we're the kickoff, but this time we're the finale. Um, listen, Florida's hot. And so when you do it in uh, May, it can be pretty freaking hot. And so we said, let's do ours in November. Cause we do a spring and a fall crop. So right. we planned everything so we could do it in November. Um, November, the weather is normally much better. In this case it was, but listen, Florida's, you know, weather's called weather for a reason. It changes all the time. Right. Yep. You have a, uh, in the, in the November, it's still hurricane season. So you can, you can get, um, even if you don't get a hurricane, you get a tropical wave that comes through and, yep. and we had great weather for the barn smoker. Um, but I got to tell you the day after the barn smoker, it rained for five days after that. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So we got really lucky on that. Yeah. But we're doing the barn snooker again uh, in 2024. We're going to do it in November. I believe it's November 9th. It's the, or it's either 9th or 11th. Whenever, whenever right. uh, Veterans Day is, it's that, mm-hmm. that Saturday. Yeah, the 11th is um, Veterans Day. Yep. Okay. So uh, that Saturday. Tickets aren't on sale yet, but um, I, anybody that wants to go to the barn smoker, especially if you want VIP, please watch the Drew State 
uh, the Eventbrite page for the Barn Smoker. Watch for those announcements because VIPs sell out usually uh, in a matter of hours. Yeah. Um, and that's always the most popular ticket. The uh, general admission ones generally sell out within the first three three weeks or so. Yep. So and and, and you got to buy these things way in advance. So um, and it's a big crowd. You know, we had uh, we did it one day. They uh, two years ago it was we did a two day event, which was good yeah. too. But honestly, it wore the staff was so wore out. Just you know, humans are we're we're not machines. You know, so yeah, it, trying to do it because because even though it's a two day event, but you, get, you remember it's seven days of, of work getting ready. So now, come Monday, you're on your eighth ninth day of work, yeah. and it's like man, it's uh, it, it's it's you just can't burn the candle at both ends so much so anyway so it's a one-day event and we're limited to about 600 people then you put all the vendors and staff in it you got about 900 people at the farm so it's full um but it was a great event i really i really enjoy it because it gives us a chance that um for people to see it and we spend the time to show you everything um we don't do tours during the season because it's just too difficult because sure. we're working, you know, it's, you know, like if you have a production line, you're trying to stop it for tours, it just messes the whole day out. And we're yeah. trying to get the, we got to get this tobacco in the barn. And uh, so we only, do, we only hold this event um, once a year and it's a great time for people to see it. And Drew Estate are, are really great uh, partners on doing this because, you know, it's not, it's more than just learning about how we grow cigar tobacco and everything. It's, it's an event, it's a festival, it's activities, it's personalities, it's so many different cigars, it's spirits. Um, it really is a great event. Uh, if I was a consumer, that's where I'd be going. And it's, we, uh, yeah. we, 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 we enjoy putting it on and I'm glad to do it. And, uh, yeah, I can't say enough about it. No, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I've been there and I've seen the transformation of how what I like is they they do create a festival with the activation stations. Um, but what they what you guys still keep is the vibe of the farm. That's that doesn't go away. It's like yep. the way it's laid out is like perfect, in my opinion. Um, you know, you got the barn, you got the crop fields and uh, it, it really, really. I mean, it's just they. it seems like all of you have it down to a science how to lay that thing out. Yeah, one of these days I want to get to the Connecticut one. Um, I just they generally fall at times where I've got a lot of yeah. going on. But but I you know the the Connecticut one I know is really popular too. It's also in a very populated part of the country too. Yep. New York's not far from it and stuff. But um, yeah, these this is a great chance for people to just you know see it's the farm to table concept. Yep. They see what's going on. Yeah. And, and also a lot of people just don't realize that you know the American tobacco experience that that's yep. one of the key key phrases of it, especially in Connecticut. Connecticut's the horse when it comes yep. to tobacco being produced in America, and uh, the the broadleaf cigar industry is doing really good up there. And it's and it's and it's quite big. There's a lot of acres that yep. that's grown, and it's been doing it for you know, almost 200 years. So, so it's, it's, it's a historical part. It's a significant part of agriculture in that, in that area. And, uh, people get to see the real deal in action. No, that's great. Um, I was supposed to go, I haven't, the only one I've been to is Orlando. I was supposed to go to Kentucky a couple of years ago and I had a, uh, emergency tooth removed and I couldn't smoke. Yeah. So I said, I'm not, I'm not gonna, and I'm still on painkillers. So I said, I, I had a bail. Unfortunately, I felt bad on that. Um, but I want to get to – I definitely want to get to the – I've been to the Connecticut farms, just not how Drew State's done it. But I've been to the farms up there. And, yeah, uh, same I would, things. Yeah, yeah. 
I haven't, I've been to the farms, you know, doing stuff with some of the other farmers and stuff yeah. there, but, but I haven't been to their, their yeah. big event, but I, you know, I've heard great things about it. I know that, that Kentucky or Florida and Connecticut are the most popular when it comes to the, yeah. they sell out the fastest. Yeah. Yeah. And what you get to see in Connecticut, uh, is the, yeah, you know, they shake, they have a lot of shade growing up there and then they have the stalk cut which that's pretty cool to see that um because i've been the, you know you go to nicaragua you're not going to see really that much of that so the, the uh, shade's done though coop there that there's no more guys growing that it's done that's why i heard i yeah. heard this yeah it's pretty much yeah, done it's, yeah it's done because there's just uh it's too expensive and yeah. um plus yeah. the good part is two things happen though the, the thrall which was one of the biggest shade growers uh, it was they had a, their farms right around the airport in hartford so all those when you fly and see all those tents that would be the shade yeah. uh, over the over the fields, but that's all you know, Amazon and Honda and all these other big warehouses are out there. So, so that that area is transformed. Um, you know, just listen the the amount per acre that Amazon pays for land and stuff. It's yeah. just uh, higher, better use. But um, shade is just it's just gotten too expensive, and Ecuador produces great great. Uh, it's not really grown under shade, but it's, it's still a shade yeah. leaf um and and they can't grow enough broadleaf right now and, and the connecticut river value is on fire when it comes to broadleaf because broadleaf is is really killing it in the cigar industry and in the uh just in the tobacco leaf industry broadleaf is really yeah and, and, and the good part about broadleaf is i think it's i think broadleaf is uh i don't like to say safe but it's not as at at much of a risk of being replaced uh, the way shade got replaced because you, you take Ecuador shade and Connecticut shade, they're, they're hard to tell the difference between them. There's not a ton of difference in taste. The Connecticut has a little more of a nutty flavor to it. Sometimes uh, Ecuador can be a little bit bitter compared to the two, but overall um, a lot of times Ecuador is actually cleaner looking the color. Um, and so to the consumer, they can't really tell that much difference between authentic Connecticut right. shade and Ecuador, right? Well, broadleaf isn't, that's not the case. They're, they've been experimenting with broadleaf in Nicaragua and Honduras and the tobacco is just thinner. It's just not it's the same. It's a lot thinner. Yeah. A I lot see. thinner. Doesn't taste the same, not the same quality. And so because these other places that are trying to grow broadleaf, <laughs> it's not, it's, it's an inferior product compared to the broadleaf out of Connecticut. So that in itself is what I think is going to keep Connecticut doing well. And the fact that it can be, uh, it, that it's a stock cut tobacco, that they're big giant leaves. Um, the labor to cut a stock is, is a fraction of the labor of, yeah. of priming tobacco. So I think Connecticut's going to do okay uh, for a long period of time as far as their broadleaf operations go. Yeah, and I can tell people if you've been the farms, you definitely want to go to Connecticut to see how they they you know they harvest those those stalk cuts. It's pretty it's pretty cool to see it. Um, it is it's hard to believe uh, how they because it was it was an eye opener to me on that. The other thing that was interesting about those farms, Jeff, up in Connecticut, Aaron, you you haven't been, I don't think you were on that trip. John was on it. No, those farms are like literally like you like. They're not like out in the middle of nowhere. They're like literally part of like the towns. Like you, you could be in a shopping center and you make a, a a right turn and you're in a farm. Like it's kind of it's kind of strange how it is there. 
It, it is, and it goes for a pretty good distance. It actually yeah, it goes, goes very, Massachusetts yeah. as well. So it's Connecticut yeah. up to Massachusetts. It's that it's that whole corridor. Yep. And there's 91. a lot of there's a lot of guys that know how to do it. There's a lot of barns. There's a lot of infrastructure. Yep. So um, yeah, they're yeah, I'm, they're doing good. The thing that the, the st- I would like to see the state of Connecticut embrace it a little more. They've had a lot of anti-tobacco people that have you know ruled the government there for a long time but still it's bad um it is uh people do have an affinity for history people have an affinity for agriculture yeah they it would be nice if uh um and it can be done um if the state actually gave a hat tip to the uh the you know a, an agriculture product that their state is actually famous for it is i mean i know you've done a lot of that with your farm um, you know, kind of getting that, you know, from, you know, the certification and just some of the historical stuff. I know you've, you've had some stuff now in museums and stuff like that. So I think that's a great thing to see. Um, and the Newmans, the Newmans are building a farm actually in Ybor city. Yeah. It's more for, it's more for their, um, they've done really well with this cigar tourism at their, their factory. So they're, they're just, just going to be a little plot of tobacco to show, what tobacco looks like right. and what a curing barn looks like. So I don't know if they'll, you know, I'm sure they'll, they'll have some leaf to make some cigars with, but it's going to be, it's, it's literally more for show and tell, but, but that's fine. Uh, I think that's totally fine for what they're trying to do there. Um, absolutely. So, it's in the middle of yeah. <laughs> the interstates, right? There. It's right there <laughs> yeah. in the middle of Ybor city. So literally it's like building a, a farm inside you know not really downtown but this is a this is an urban area yeah so it it closes the 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 circle when people come to tour the factory yeah of what a tobacco plant looks like what's involved what does it look like what's hanging when it's curing yeah. so um drew has a vision for um it's sort of like a working museum you know yeah and and then the edge or and it's also an educational um yeah process yeah. as well so so i think it's a great idea um and drew is a he's young and has a lot of ambition and yeah and uh he says this as well he's sort of like an old soul um so he has an affinity for the historical and the the you know yeah history not not just for jc Newman, but for tampa and the whole cigar uh the whole cigar history in florida yeah, I mean, one thing I was talking to someone about down there was that when I four came in, it basically that part of Ebor City where the Newmans are got, got got cut off from the rest of the city, and it's it's you go on each side, it's a big difference. So now they're trying That's to restore right. that north end now. Yes, it divided the city in half, which yeah. a lot of times happens. So yeah, but it did. Uh, but but it, even then, though, what people don't understand is that Tampa used to make as many cigars in that one city. As what the United States imports right now, all the production from Honduras, Nicaragua, and Dominican Republic combined. Yeah. So Tampa was making so many cigars. And just when you think about the amount of tobacco that yeah. has to come into a city to make that, now think about that. When you go to Nicaragua, Honduras, and Dominican Republic, you see all those tobacco fields, right? Plus all that tobacco from Ecuador and stuff. That's how much tobacco was coming into Tampa. Yeah. Just one city. So, you know, it's, it's, it really was amazing. You know, it's a, it's a, you know, dropping a bucket nowadays, what it, what, what it is, but still that was, that's what it's called cigar city for a reason. And, and it's in, and it's great that you have a fourth or fifth generation company that's, that is uh, willing to 
embrace the history and build upon it and create um, another part of their business for it too that, yeah. that uh, can be sustainable. Yep. No, that's great. It's great. I saw the park. It wasn't open yet when I was there, but it was pretty much ready to go, and it looks really – it's just perfect. You come out of that museum, you go have a cigar in the park there, which is really nice. So Yeah, right yeah. across the street right there. Yeah, yeah, they did a nice job, It looked, uh, but it wasn't ready to open. It was like a week earlier, so – uh, and I was there on a we, I was I was running around there on the weekend, so no one was around. I was to see if someone could get me in there. But um, yeah. So uh, before we get to the list, I just want to cover um some you know just some product stuff. Um, I'm smoking. This was a cigar that was recommended because Aaron liked this cigar. I went and got it. Uh, and this is one of the ones I picked up down. It's the uh, Monte Cristo FSG. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, this is fan- Aaron. You like this cigar? Yeah. Yeah, this is a really good cigar. This is a really good cigar, Jeff. Um, so here's the thing on that: like all of our cigars that we make with FSG tobaccos, they're different factories that have them. Yeah, have the tobacco that have, you know, when you when you put them in a different factory, they have a different inventory of tobaccos to blend with, and the blenders are different people that have different ideas what they think are great blends. Yeah. So this one was really cool. We sent it. um, Altadas has it. Had tobacco. And Rafael Nadal worked with uh, Placencia, and they uh, made a cigar in Nicaragua. Yep. And, you know, Placencia tobaccos are, are fuller bodied because, yep. you know, it's Nicaraguan tobacco. Right. And, you know, you blend it with our tobacco, which is fuller bodied as well. Yeah. So you have this, um, it's not an overly strong, but it's a, it's a fuller bodied uh, expression of FSG tobacco. And yeah, they did a really good job on it. The packaging turned out wonderful. Yeah. We spent a lot of time on that one. We started that one back during COVID. So that mm-hmm. really slowed down the release yeah. of that cigar. But I'm okay with that. You know, we're it's we never rush things. And so when it's ready, it's ready. But yeah. um I was happy the way the box came out, the way it incorporates Florida in it, Monte Cristo, yeah. and it has sort of an old school look to it as well. Right. So um so yeah, that that's that's a great cigar. We're really enjoying it's, it, yeah. It's it's very limited. We're going to sell out of that one pretty soon because we've been trying to you know, kind of hold it back a little bit because we just don't have much, a lot of it, but, right. um, and it's going to be a few years before we can make another run of it. So, oh, bummer. So but yeah, it will, come, it will eventually, we'll see another run of it. Yeah. Well, as soon as I can get some tobacco to them, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get it back in production, but it's, it's one yeah. of those things that we're behind on tobacco. I understand. You know, it, it, it does smoke <coughs> like a Monte Cristo. Okay. It really does smoke like a Monte Cristo, but you get that little FSG oomph to it. And I, I, mm-hmm. I said, I was Aaron, when Aaron likes a cigar, I usually will always go get it. So uh, I hadn't smoked it. And I'm very, I mean, yeah, this came out really good. This is uh, Aaron, a little bit of a sleepy Aaron's, guy, man. Aaron's got a good palate, man. You got it. You got to, you know, if, if he likes the cigar, it's good. You can, you can put your money on it. I think Raphael almost passed out that he got a top 25 from Aaron on that. Well, he called, he called Aaron the lost palate one year. Aaron is, is, uh, yeah. I like it because he yeah. beats, you know, he goes to his own drum and doesn't have, yeah. um, doesn't let a lot of outside yep. influence influence his opinions and so no. i think that's great and that's yeah. the way it should be yeah and i think most of his team it wasn't just him the team was high on it and that's how they did and i said so i said i definitely got to get get some of these which i did and i'm very happy i did so uh i'm gonna have to get more now before uh they're gone so yeah. i was asking if they were going to be ongoing but it sounds like not right away 
No. And, and listen, whenever we do stuff, I like, I, I like having things ongoing because I don't like uh, yeah. the one and done things, just not kind of what we like to do. Cause there's so much effort and work in it. Plus I always believe that if you make a great product and people like it, you should want to continue to, to fulfill their desires. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's always one of those things that we want to continue to, to do. It's just, we're just behind on, on tobacco leaf right now. Yeah. Yep. And we're all, you know, to be honest with you, we're always going to be behind on tobacco leaf because the farm, we're not making it any bigger. It's not meant to be a big farm. It's a yeah. micro farm. It's a, you know, we're, you know, a lot of times things start out as like a micro brew or something like that. And then next thing you know, they roll in 10 or 20 more uh, mashes and cookers and all this other stuff. Yeah. We're not, we're not, we have no intention of expanding the farm because it's just i was asking that but do i okay nah nah there's no there's it's it's not it's it's a lot of work and um not really looking for to take on more work you know what i'm saying right. it's one of those yeah. things it's if it was one of those things where it's like hey we can just add another machine and we can spit out more product and make right. more money this is one of those things where it's just more work and not necessarily more money and it's like there's only so much time in the day so uh and it's not intended to be that way listen there was a reason there's no more farms in florida growing cigar tobacco right there's a reason yeah. for that it's not because you can't grow it it's because it's not profitable to grow it and there's a lot of work involved so you know that wasn't our intention our intention was just again the, it's a little you know little farm to table concept right. it's always going to be um be a, a small farm 20 acres. That's why we call it 20 acre farm. Is it's you know the only yeah. But yeah. you've gone through well, you've gone through a lot of now harvest with it now. So now I think the tobacco's obviously at a mature point too. So you know I remember when you were starting out and uh, you're going through the first and second crops. Now I want you go two a year for about over 10 years now. So you've yeah, got quite a so, few of these now. Yeah, we we I don't want to. I hate to say we got it dialed in because as soon as I do that, something terrible happens. Yeah, I don't want to take you. Yeah. But, you know, it, we do have the process down in, but, but every year you have different challenges. You just have to, it's like, uh, you know, you, you can have a football team that knows yeah. how to play football, but you might have a different, you know, team that tries some new play on you, right? Mother nature may throw a new play on us here and we got to figure it out. But um, yeah, we got it dialed in, but yeah, there's I a remember, lot of different people yeah. and brands and expressions of FSG. And, and so we've got the, we've got the, the, the brands and the, and the demand for it. Uh, actually demands exceeding the supply but that's okay right. that's kind of what we yeah. wanted we we didn't want it the other way around so now it's just a matter of just trying to level it off as far as uh as far as that goes and just hope we have good crops each year you know um in the in the, the years that you have some problems it'll you know be a setback but it is what it is that's part of the deal Understood. Understood. You know, the other thing I just want to mention is, and I noticed this when I was in both stores, um, you guys have taken FSG back in house and yeah. I see a lot of people smoking it. Um, I know yeah. a couple of them landed on, we'll get it to the list. So obviously you guys are doing really good with that. It's a very good cigar. So I'm, I'm glad you guys are going to keep it going. Um, so it's yeah, very that's going to keep going. There's, but there's challenges with tobacco. And then also if you look at, uh, like Drew Estate is really, these guys are also just, their cigar brands are on, they've always been hot, right? Yeah. But they're also in a position where production is, is, is a challenge for them as well. So, 
um, there'll be times where we'll, we'll probably be out of FSG too, um, just because of tobacco or production, you know, sure. um, it's their handmade products. And it's not, like I say, you just can't add another machine. Yeah. And then also Nicaragua is going, it's not just Nicaragua, Nicaragua and Honduras are going through a labor shortage that just because of so many people moving, uh, you know, jumping on the migration, uh, train up to the U S that they've lost like 10% of their population. So when you lose that many people, um, and it's going to continue to, for a while here that, you know, think about that. You lose 10% of your workforce, uh, and, and, and it looks like it's going to be compounding over the each year. Um, they're running into labor shortages there and believe it or not, they're running a farm worker shortage as well. And so that, you know, it's not like, uh, it's not like people are migrating to Nicaragua to work on the farms. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so there's going to be some challenges there. And um, yeah. So you, uh, Esteli is really at capacity on what that city can produce on cigars. And a matter yeah. of fact, a lot of the cigar makers are, you know, building satellite factories in other, other cities just because yeah. there's no, there's no workers left in Esteli. Yeah, we. I was with Patrick from Halfwheel at Puro Sabor last mm-hmm. year, and one of the things he noted to me, and I, and when he said it, it was like an aha moment. He goes, he goes, have you looked at the, the factory workers? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, what'd you notice about them? And I'm, I'm like, I'm not getting. He goes, the age. And and he and when he said that, I'm like, yeah, there was a lot more younger workers they had now. I mean, I'm yeah. talking about people under under the age of twenty. I mean, it was definitely a, a much younger crew uh at some of the factories we saw so it was definitely and you know that was obviously a, an impact of what's happened they, they're hiring a lot younger for people who are in Esteli right now i was just in uh nicaragua two weeks ago with nick perdomo going through his stuff uh-huh. and, and uh i was telling nick i said you know one of the things i've noticed though because i hadn't been there since before yeah. covid i said one of the things i noticed is that traditionally in central america the the leaf sorting and the packaging was all done by women. Yeah. Now uh, uh-huh. it's a mixed mixed yeah. bag, and he says, right. "Yeah, because now there's just we, we're you don't have the luxury of just yeah. having women working in packaging yeah. and in in sorting. And traditionally, the reason why they like to have women doing the the sorting of the leaves is their hands are gentler on the tobacco. Yeah. You get less torn leaves. Yeah. They're just they're you know a woman's touch is a little softer when it comes to that, especially when dealing with wrapper. You know, you just yeah. pull it the wrong way or push too hard. Next thing you know, you tear it. And in packaging, it's like honestly, when it comes to gift wrapping a, a Christmas present, you give me a package that's wrapped by men versus women. <laughs> You, you can see, you know, you could, the men's usually looks like shit, right? Yeah. So when it, when it, when it comes to packaging, packaging cigars, normally it's women doing all that because they yeah. have an eye for it and it just, you know, they're gentler and make things look prettier. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they don't have that luxury anymore saying, Hey, we only want women doing the packaging and only women want women doing the sorting. It's like whatever, whoever they can get in there to work because it's, it's, uh, there's a, like I said, there's a labor shortage. Yeah, and you you know I actually done like I've rolled cigars. I'm terrible at it, right? Mm-hmm. But I was even more terrible at putting the bands on cigars. I yeah. couldn't believe how hard that was. It like, is because it... we went through something at General one year, and I'm like, this there was like a contest, and I'm not only going to lose for the rolled cigar, but the the band was like, and I'm I'm working with some woman, and she's just like, you know, just don't like I couldn't. She's like, you got to do this with your hand. I'm like, my hand yeah. can't do that. <laughs> it, their fingers are are much yeah. smaller. Yeah. And so, you know, we got yeah. these big old 
you know, fat thumbs yeah. that we're trying yeah. to put wrappers yeah. on or, or bands on a cigar yeah. and not get the glue. People don't realize every little bit of that's done by hands. And so, you know, you try to do that. It's just not easy for a man to do it as, as a, a woman has a smaller hand that can do it. So, so anyway, yeah, that's just one of the challenges that's going on. So nice. Yeah. But it's uh, yeah, but yep. You get through it. Right. Uh, all right. So Jeff, let's get into your, your, this top 25 list thing. Um, it, it's kind of interesting. I'll just kind of intro it. Um, you know, Aaron and I do this and we're the first ones to say they're very, very subjective. I mean, we, we know when we know all the pitfalls about subjectivity. Now, I have seen retailers do these lists. OK. And what do I find out about those lists? They're they're also very subjective. Right. What you've done is in you. I don't think anyone else has done the level of transparency you have done on on this list, because I mean, get it, I'm not, I get you're not putting your sales numbers in there. That's not, I, but I still think it's incredible that someone actually spits this data out every year. How did this project come about? I think I started about six or eight years ago because of the fact that um, the the list, especially Cigar Aficionado's top 25, does move the market. And right. like, people search those cigars out. And, um, you know, Cigar Aficionado has basically four or five people that do that, the, the ratings. Yep. And every one of those guys likes fuller bodied cigars. And, I had this conversation, and, I had this conversation with Raphael actually about this too. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so yeah. you're never going to get a high scoring mild cigar. Yep. And then, um, they don't rate flavored cigars or infused cigars or non-traditional cigars. Yep. And then when it comes to the online independent media, they tend to be more of the cigar geeks that like yep. fuller bodied, um, non mainstream cigars, right? Because yep. it's in independent media. And so both of those lists um, are based on personal preferences, but they're not based on what the consumers are actually buying. So the only way you can capture what the consumers are buying is by releasing the data, right? Right. And then also uh, when I do those lists, it's a good way for the manufacturers to see um a couple things see how their brands are performing in the industry but also uh, i do it a lot of time to educate not only the manufacturers but also the media about uh remember let's go back to politics in mm -hmm. my early days at cigar rights of america right. we had some really you know knock down drag out arguments over what a premium cigar was yep and i was always uh i you know i fell on the sword for uh flavored or infused cigars because as a retailer i kept telling guys that make traditional premium cigars that guys will spend eight to ten dollars on an acid cigar just like they would on a on yeah. a let's say a la florida minicana or something and people don't if the first cigar someone has is a full-bodied cigar um there's a good chance he may not have a second cigar because he's just not ready for it. He may not, you know, he may not know how to smoke a cigar. Right? He may be inhaling it. Uh, just, you know, the, the guy will get, you know, get sick or, or turn green from it and he'll never have another cigar. So, and then back to my personal uh, journey in cigars, my first cigar was a Swisher Sweet. And I was like 20, I don't know, 26, 28 years old. 
my second cigar was a, a Grenadier. So I went from a Swisher Sweet, which is a, you know, homogenized tobacco leaf uh, a sweetened cigar, to a Grenadier, which is also a machine-made cigar, but has a natural leaf. And then after that, my next cigar was a Arturo Fuente, Double Chateau Fuente, right? Yep. And that mirrors a lot of people's journey in how they get into cigars back then. And then fast forward um, with, with the popularity of Acid and Tatiana and things like that, I knew as a retailer that a lot of times people's first cigars were an Acid or a Tatiana or a CAO Moon Trance. Right. And we sold a lot of those cigars, right? But you're not going to see a 91 rated Moon Trance or a 91 rated Acid, right? But the same guys that were smoking uh, a Moon Trance or, a, or an Acid would later buy a Tatuaje or buy a Padron Anniversary. And, and that's, yep. they, you know, they jump right into the, and a lot of times they jump right into the super premium category, right? And so the importance of those type of cigars is very important in the industry. And the second part of that is that there was this, you know, on a political battle, the anti-tobacco people were saying, you know, oh, flavored cigars are, you know, a gateway to a, a lifetime addiction to, to right. tobacco. And I'm like, this is a big lie, because if if you think that adults don't like flavors, you know, that's why why I, you know, Kahlua or or, you know, chocolate ice cream or anything, you know, these margaritas and all stuff. Um, adults like flavored products as well. And so the notion that we shouldn't have flavored cigars or flavored tobacco. I mean, my grandfather was, you know, you, you, you know Captain Black and stuff like that. Captain Black, pipe, pipe tobacco. tobacco, yeah. Rum, tobacco. This stuff has been around yeah. forever. Actually, rum, yeah. rum season cigars came from the triangular trade with the rum barrels and stuff. So the whole notion that, you know, flavored cigars are just something for, for kids is nonsense. Yeah. And then when you look at our list, look at where Deadwood is, right? Yep. Now, Deadwood's, not, Deadwood's not called a flavored cigar, but it is a, it's, there's pipe tobacco and it's a, and it's a sweeter cigar. So when you look at that, the, the amount of Deadwood that we're selling, which really is kind of weird. It's been a shift from, from acid to Deadwood, but it doesn't surprise me. And I'll, and I'll get into that. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. I'm kind I'll of tell you, I'll that. tell you why. Okay. So the same thing, remember when you, when you go back to the, to our battles with the, uh, FDA and S chip and all this stuff that's, that's going back to 2008, 9, 10, 11. I always said too, that not one of the best selling mass market cigars was black and mild. And now you guys have to remember Corona cigar, Orlando is a very diverse community. We're not segregated. Our downtown store is, a, is in an urban area. We have a lot of black customers and we welcome them from day one. You look at our, our, People that are, you go to any one of our stores, very diverse. And I always said that, listen, just like my first cigar was a Swisher Sweet, for a lot of guys, their first cigar was a black and mild. And where do you want to go to from a premium, from a black and mild to a handmade cigar? Deadwood. Deadwood is like, it's like a super premium cigar that has reminiscent of like what a black and mild would be, right? That cigar is taking off and going crazy. And the same guys will smoke that. We'll smoke a six by 60 Cohiba. There's Cohiba Spectre on there, by the way, that's on, on one of those lists. And that's yep. like a hundred dollar cigar, right? That's from the so vault, uh, Yeah. So I'm just, I, I might not be on those, but trust me on, with, on my own list, but you know, somewhere it was in the, top there it is, 50. There it is on okay. the uh, 16 yeah, right? on the uh, box sales by dollars. Yeah. Look at that. See, 
Yeah. So I'm telling you, the same guys that will smoke a Deadwood will also smoke, you know, uh, uh, a big JFR or an Asylum or because I know what guys are smoking, right? Or a, or, a, or a CAO, that the big block one and stuff. So that's where a lot of a lot of the credit needs to be given to, you know, how diverse the cigar community is now. And um, Deadwood is just a, it's the brands on fire and uh, it's a great quality product too. Listen, Drew Estate knows how to make some of the best uh, uh, cigars out there that are non-traditional and uh, acid still sells. You'll see Blondie on the list, Blondie Bellicoso, things like that. Cuba Cuba still sells. <clears throat> but my point is where it, you know, in San Francisco, you can't sell a Tatiana. No. And, and there's places in Massachusetts you can't do it. New York's trying to do it. You can't sell a moon trance. You can't sell any cigar that's, quote, flavored. And so I don't like the idea that we don't fight for that category because it's a legitimate category. They're premium cigars, and a lot of people smoke them. Look at the list. Yeah. A lot of people smoke them. And why an adult should not have that freedom to be able to buy that cigar is beyond me. And so, um, so anyway, that list is the truth. That's what we sell that. And, and, and what's really interesting is when you look at the list that right after those cigars, like a, like a Deadwood, you're going to see a Davidoff. You're going to see high end cigars. Yeah, right at Adabay. Right. Now these are expensive cigars, right? Yeah. You start, you start talking about Davidoff Corona, 20th anniversary or whatever or uh -huh. database and stuff the davidoff chrome 20th anniversary is a 30 dollar cigar database are 30 40 50 dollar cigars right yep so there's there's and these are all when you just like you said you came by your store on wednesday night and the place is packed right yep you look around you'll see deadwoods being smoked right next to guys are smoking davidoff i i, I can tell you yeah What's interesting, Jeff, the, if I look at the most read review on my site of the decade, sorry, I'm in 2020, it's the Deadwood Sweet Jane. But, and so, so I wasn't totally surprised, but I was surprised how many of them came up on the list, too. Um, and it, it, it's a testament to that. Like I said, people are, are, are you know, like I said, I saw several people smoking Deadwoods that night. Um, and the guy next to me was smoking Atabay. There you go. Yeah. That's, and, and that's the part that, what happens a lot of times cigar makers are kind of in a bubble or they're isolated because they're, they spend so much time yeah. where their factories are. They're not actually seeing what's going on in the street where the products yeah. are sold. That's another reason for the list because it, it has nothing to do with ratings. It's, this has to do with yeah. what people are buying. And so I, you know, I, I just feel that as an industry um, we really need to keep battling the FDA when it comes to uh, characterizing flavors, when it comes to the, the lie that they say that, you know, uh, uh, flavored cigars are geared toward children. And I can tell you that's not the truth on, a, on uh, yeah. premium cigars. None of those cigars are sold to kids. There's no kids even trying to walk in from a cigar. It doesn't no. happen. No. So, so the whole notion that, you know, these things are, are smoked for, or, or are marketed towards kids is a lie. And, and so, the worst thing you do is let people that talk negatively about your industry is to just let them talk without having a rebuttal. So anyway, so that's, that's kind of an overview of, of, of what that is. And I hope people um, can, can learn from that, that, that this is a, you know, we have a diverse group of people that enjoy cigars and uh, 
we treat the guys and women that are smoking a, a dead wood or, a, or an acid with the same respect as someone that's smoking an Atabay. Because yep. guess what? Sometimes they smoke both. Yeah. No, it's true. That's true. I was, you know, I was looking at a couple of things that would, would um, the Davidoff Corona 20th anniversary bell is the number one sale in dollars. That yes. did surprise me. That did surprise me. And not because it's a bad cigar. It's a really good cigar. But I, I guess you get a lot of those cigars. You have a lot of those cigars well, in your inventory. I'll, I'll tell you why that's number one. The only reason uh-huh. that's number one is because the Davidoff Tampa, was, we don't have any more of those. That has always been number one for the last five years. Okay. Because the, the Davidoff Tampa is a mild cigar. Yeah, and uh, the blend the blend on that was was uh, the Davido Tampa Bellicoso. The blend on that was was let's just say geared towards tasting like an Avo Twenty Two. Got it. I needed it. I wanted it to be right, right, mild right. and creamy. Right. What happened when COVID came through? Davido stopped all of those uh, cigars that came in those custom boxes because I believe they were made in Poland. And the factory that made all those those special boxes, the ones that had like like ours had the cityscape on it, and you know all those uh, like the ones they do for New York, and all those special boxes of ten, um, that box factory was closed down for a year, and so there's been supply chain issues on that. And then at the same time, Davidoff's had production stress during COVID and stuff, mm-hmm. so they've really haven't they really haven't started up their let's call it their special product projects division again. Yep. Uh, but I, I hope that they will pretty soon. Um, Cause they had, we had some cool products from them. There was years ago too. We had the, the Zeno Orlando, which was really oh, cool. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah. I like that the, one. That, that box was awesome. And yeah. I had all the, all the little artwork from the city yeah. of Orlando and things yeah. that made Orlando what it is. Um, so I, I really like those special projects and, yeah. and I hope that in the next year or two, we'll start to see some of that stuff come back. Yeah. Was there anything when you kind of run the data and you get these spit out, what were there, were there some surprises that you saw this year? They're like, wow, I didn't see that one coming. Well, I think it's interesting to see the shift from uh, acid to uh, Deadwood. Deadwood. Right. That was probably, now we started seeing that last year. Right. But I was, I was pretty surprised to see uh, that, this one was incredible by by units sold. I just looked at that and like look at the top yeah. ten. You had uh-huh. uh, six of the seven of the top ten, seven of the yes. top ten. So that was surprising. And then also uh, Tatiana dropped off. That Groovy Blue used to be one of those top movers too. Right. So so I think Deadwood's kind of grabbed some of that as well. Um. So so I think those were that was kind of the uh, surprising ones. Um, right. Here's a there's one other thing that's not well represented on that list mm-hmm. is that Padron sales for us uh, last year the company were up twenty percent right but yet yet they weren't on the list other than two sizes I think yeah I didn't see a lot of Padron you're right but yet we we sell a ton of Padron but what's happened is the Padron line is so we we carry everything they make right right so there's literally there's probably eighty to a hundred feet. There's probably more than a hundred facings of Padrones in our stores. So there's, there's well over a hundred because you got natural and Maduro's on everything they make. Yeah. <clears throat> so while the, I didn't see as many Padron on the list, the, as a, as a 
companies that we do business with, um, our top three are Davidoff, Padron, and Drew Estate. Yep. So, so Padron is still um, a major horse. Sure. And and sells like crazy, but um, it's not specifically one particular size or wrapper, which which this is drilled down to specific sizes wrappers you know what i mean it's not by yeah. it's not by by a whole brand it's based on what are the top skus right in our system so that's what that represents and it seems like you know obviously you do have a lot of house cigars on the list and mm-hmm. i've never seen your staff push a house cigar on me like they'll ask well, what you like and everything but i think yeah. that's a testament to again your staff and what the products you're bringing in i gotta give you credit on that yeah, they're not, they don't really push any of our house brands on people. Um, it's really interesting on our, on a lot of those uh, cigars that are under the Corona umbrella, um, we price them more in the, uh, we try to save people money for them, right? Because yeah. they go straight yeah. from the factory from right. us to the consumer. When it comes to people at the brick and mortar sales, um, a lot of our customers like, you know, they, they drive nice cars. They have nice watches. They're in the brand names. Um, they're not so price sensitive. So for them, um, smoking a Davidoff or Padron out of a, uh, Opus X, stuff like that. That's, that's, that's their comfort zone. Yeah. And, and we're not there to change people's, uh, buying habits. Yep. We're there to enhance them. And make sure they have a great time and and have the products that they that they're looking for. Um, mail order is and this includes mail order sales as well. I was going to ask you that as well. Yeah, I, I thought it yeah. did. Yeah. And so mail order is uh, a little you know a little more price sensitive because remember our our stores are and I and I made that disclosure when I talk about our sales. Our stores are in, are in pretty wealthy areas, right? Yeah. Whereas when when you do mail order, we're covering a whole country, right? Yep. So demographics on mail order are going to be different than where the demographics are on our stores. And, and even if people are driving to our stores, uh, if, if you go eat or, or spend time in like a, 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 a luxury shopping area, you tend to, to uh, spend more in those type of neighborhoods than um, yeah. a place that isn't so posh or whatever you want to say. So anyway, so, so yeah, our customers are more, um, on the brick and mortar side or not as and listen, I'm going to tell you a story that, that happened in 2002. Okay. Cause remember my, the Corona cigar started out of my house, right. As yep. mail order, and we, and we started during the cigar boom. It was very successful. Um, when the boom went kaboom, when the collapse happened right. in 98. And the reason I did real good was that we were buying, being in Florida, I was buying closeouts left and right because Miami's the, the hub for cigars, right? So there were a lot of, that was what we used to call the Don Nobody era. So there were always these brands that would that would come in the market and a year later they were broke. And so then, you know, we would have access to all these closeouts. <laughs> so on mail order, we did really good on closeouts because we would sell cigars for, you know, $50 a box that six months ago were $150 a box. And we did, we sold a lot of seconds and things like that. So my first store in Okoe was not in a wealthy neighborhood. I just got it out of my house. And it right. would be a karate studio. And it was next to a pinch of penny and a dry cleaner and stuff like that. <laughs> and, and, it, and, and like I say, it used to be a karate studio. And I had 
those cheap wire shelves, like the closets that the dudes that do the stuff in your house. It was no fancy humidor. Yep. So anyway, that store was more of an outlet. Then I built that big store on Sand Lake Road, and that's in a nice neighborhood. You know, Bay Hill that's Golf great. Yeah, is right there. You have the convention center, Universal Studios, Disney, all that stuff. Yep. So anyway, I I I was maybe open a month or two, and this guy walks in the store, and he goes, "Hey, I need a box of Excalibur Number One Naturals," and we were out of because at the time Excalibur is more there was more demand than supply on that on that cigar. Used to be a great cigar. And so I didn't have them, but I had a bunch of Don Tomas uh, seconds because they weren't even seconds. They were just overruns, overproduction. So they're in bundles of 25. And a Don Tomas Presidente number one, which was very similar, tastes just like an Excalibur, and very similar in size too. So I gave this guy, I said, you know, I'm out of, I'm sorry, I'm out of the Excalibur number ones. I said, but I got these Don Tomas seconds. They're very similar to an Excalibur and they're like $40 a bundle. And that dude took that bundle and he pushed it right into my chest and looked at me in, in the eye and he goes, kid, this ain't a bundle neighborhood. And he walked out the door. I oh. never, and he, I never saw him again. He never <laughs> bought a cigar either. Right. I was like, holy, I was like, man, I just pissed this guy off. So I realized that was a real, that was the, if I ever saw that guy, I would thank him say, man, you taught me one of the most valuable lessons. And that's exactly what it was that uh, it's not a bundle neighborhood. And I insulted the guy. Because he didn't give a shit about price. He wanted his Excalibur number ones. And he didn't want to hear somebody trying to sell him a second. Or It's like walking into Ruth Chris and saying, you know, hey, I want your 32-ounce, you know, Tomahawk. And they're like, hey, I don't have Tomahawks, but I got these other ones from Ponderosa. Right. Kind of are just like it. The guy's going to be like, dude, what the hell are you talking If I want to be a Ponderosa, I'd get a Ponderosa. So, you know, it was like that. I really pissed the guy off. So, anyway, that's why when you come into our stores, you, you know, you smoking Atabays or Padrones or, or Davidoff, El Septimo, you name it. We're not, we're not, we're not sending, we're not showing you a house brand. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it's, uh, that's not what it's about. Yeah. No, that's true. Hey, we're getting a few questions, Jeff. I, I got to ask it. Uh, everyone's asking about the soccer project. Yeah. You, uh, how's that going? So it's going good. It's, it's a little, it's, I'll say it's delayed, but it's real my, more my fault than, than Steve's, but also, okay. We both have, uh, man, we're both super busy. And so, right. uh, so Steve, we already decided on the blend and cigars are made. He, heck, was last year when he had them. We were up in Kentucky not too long ago right. doing some bourbon stuff. And uh, the cigars are wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very similar to like a Sin Compromiso. This is me talking, okay. not Steve. But they're, to me, they're like a Sin Compromiso with FSG seasoning. That's what it's like. It's like having a FSG leaf inside a Sin Compromiso, which I, that's my favorite cigar is anyway. So um, it's FSG Black Angus. Um, we haven't even finalized the pack, packaging, which we really need to get done. Yep. So I need to call Steve and make sure he's getting that um, finished up because we've set up the date for the release. So we're going to release that during the Ebor Cigar Festival, which I think is December 4th or, or something yep, like that. Yeah, I did sort of Tommy's comment on that. Yep, December 6th. Yes, yep. December 6th. All right, so we're going to we're gonna roll out that cigar then and release it. Cigar is ready, like I said. So it's just a matter of making sure we get the good-looking boxes and stuff. Because yeah. we want, you know, Steve makes nice packaging, and we, we need to make sure it's on the level of, like, sure. uh, the Sin Compromiso and things like that. Yeah. So that's what we're 
that's what we're uh that's our date for release we'll get it done but uh yeah thanks for no, uh, no. bringing yeah, it up no. and i I'll, I'll give them a call tomorrow and say hey man let's <laughs> make sure we get these boxes and stuff going because yeah but but the cigars like that are because it's a fuller bodied cigar age will only make those cigars better so uh so yeah those the i i got several bundles in the house here right now and i smoke them and they're they're very very good yeah, I, I can't tell you again with the list uh, how many manufacturers were really interested in this list. Uh, I was talking to Carney on Tuesday night, and yeah. he was just he, – he he was on our show, and he brought it up. He didn't know you were going to be on the show. And he's like, yeah, yeah. this list is the one I – yeah, and I'm like, he's like, all due respect to you guys. I said, no, I get it. And uh, like I said, it's very it's very objective here, uh, and it's very transparent. So um, what I look at the list as a reviewer is should I be reviewing some of these, like, dead woods, and, and that does play into – my audience, I look at that too. So I did. All right, so let me, let me. My advice on that one is, is that you can't really review a Deadwood uh, and and give it a fair review like you're you're smoking a non traditional cigar. I think what you, you can't can you can't done is you can talk about the aesthetics, the quality yeah. of the wrapper, the quality of the draw. Yeah. Um, but it's like you know, if you don't like a sweet cigar, that's you can't knock yeah. it for that, right? You can't, uh, but you have to tell people what you think of it flavor-wise. I mean, that's what Aaron's, Aaron kind of preaches that, and I've kind of learned with that. But we don't review them different. Like, there's some sites that will review them different. We we don't do that. It, it does. We have to review the scar for how it is. So usually you lose points like on my site with complexity with it is what I'll tend to say. Yeah. And if you don't like sweet, you're just not going to like it. Yeah. Well, there's also a couple other things on that list, too, that that sell really well that, aren't, that aren't, didn't make it to the top 25. But, like, you know, Java by uh, Rocky Patel, those things sell like crazy. Yeah, I was surprised uh, not to see it on there. Yeah, yeah, but it's hard to get. Remember that there's you know how many thousands of number SKUs we have in the, yeah. in, a, in the company, right? So to get the top top yep. twenty five, you know, you're like the one percenter. And so, but if I if I rolled that out down to probably the top fifty, I'm sure that there would be a Java in there. I'm sure there'd be a uh, Tobacco Special as well. Yeah. So so, you know, those 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 cigars do good. But uh, yeah. as far as rating go, I think it's good to, to maybe rate it so you can let people know what it is. But yeah, I think most people know what they are. You know what I mean? I don't think yeah. there's a lot of you think there's a lot of people don't know what it don't know what they are. They the traffic tells me and most of my traffic comes from Google, not mm -hmm. Facebook. I mean, yeah. it's it's a and and the traffic. The Deadwood review from 2000 out outdrid every review I did this year. It still was the number one. They people because they want because at least in our reviews we have other information in there, right? So maybe they're not as concerned with the score, but they want to if you know background information and just Aaron does the video, so he has a personal experience that he could really articulate with his team with that. So there's other things that people look for with that. Um, not necessarily they're looking at like most people will say they never look at the score. They do, but um, there's other things I find that people are looking for with that. And and they always want to know how much it is and where you can get it. That's always the key. If okay. we don't have that information, the review for me is useless because I just get okay. peppered with questions. If I I learned that very early on. If I have to have where you get it and how much it costs. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. so yep. here's the other thing that's interesting about Deadwood too, though. I don't, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it hasn't had as much for the amount of sales there is on that cigar there. The marketing hasn't been, uh, you don't see them pouring tons of money. In they the, don't need in to. The they don't need. Yeah. Yeah. They don't need to. 
Yeah. So that ought to, that that's a feat in itself right there. Yeah. I mean, I know Davidoff with like Royal Robusto, for example, which I know is a good seller for you. You know, people know when they're going in, they know they want to get a Royal Robusto. So they don't they have it out there, but they don't need to kind of like every couple of years go back and kind of like put a campaign around it. They just know that, you know, there's a market for that cigar. Right. And the Royal Robusto is close to 100 bucks a stick. Yeah. Yeah. And very few stores get them. So, yep. That's why we do good with it. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you on that. I, I didn't see a lot of Opus X on here. Is that just because of availability? Yeah, we don't. Uh, Fuente is one of the, the few companies that handles their uh, their super premium brand like right. uh, Opus X and right. ships it based on your your just the store, yeah. not based on how much volume you do or what right. kind of um, what kind of consumers you have. Meaning that this is what people don't understand. Corona cigar gets the same amount of Opus X as, as a yeah. tiny, you know, mom and pop in a in a small small right. town. So that's why we don't get many of them. Yeah. Um, and if and if you do see the Opus on there, it's going to be a lost city because uh, Keith Park does things a little bit different on that because you know we we sell a lot of his other cigars. So yep. he would. And remember, Keith and I did CRA together. Yep, I remember. Long. Yep, we have a long relationship. Yeah. So. We do get more of the uh, the Lost City stuff through uh, God of Fire cigars, and we sell God of Fire as well. Um, than we actually do from from Fuente, even though we sell a lot of ton of Fuente cigars. Yep. But that doesn't. It's really weird. That has zero influence on how much Opus X you get. Even yeah. though you see short stories on that list, yeah, we sell a lot of Hemingways. Yeah. But when it comes to the you know these these rare pinks and these uh, and Yeho Sharks and these, uh, you know, the the Opus that comes out, we'll, we'll get the same amount as a little tiny store that sells, you know, yeah. 10 boxes of Hemingways a year. Okay. All right. Which, Aaron, you it, know what? And, and honestly, in defense of Carlito on that one, I, I think he does that because he, he knows that that Opus can make a big difference in uh, the little guy it, it, making I, some I, money. I I. I I don't want to put words in it, but I've kind of gotten that impression as well. Yeah. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Honestly, right. I, I, right. I respect that as well. So, right. so listen, if that ex extra box of Opus to the small shop, if it helps them out, I think you should continue doing it. Yeah. Because uh, what the only time that I think it's not good is when a retailer gets those cigars and he doesn't have the customers to buy it. And then he just kind of sells them out cheap just to get rid of them. Yeah. Um, then and that kind of defeats the purpose, but but I don't think that happens very often anyway. No, understood. Aaron, any other questions you want to hit Jeff on the list before we kind of move on to some of the other stuff? Not really a question, but just maybe a, a comment. Um, you know, when you see this, when you see the retail sales numbers from a retailer, um, especially for people that are very social media focused, it paints a very different picture of yeah. what you of what people smoke versus what you think people smoke. Um, because a lot of times you'll see, you know, you'll get into these little groups where there'll just be some sort of visibility where you see something and you think it's really moving or that's where you should be smoking. But when you see what actually what people are putting their money down and a lot of money down on, you can see what what's being smoked and, and kind of what keeps the industry moving and things like that. So you always have to remember, I think, always have to remember, you know, you can't always chase the new. You can't always, you know, whatever yeah. the shiny object is. 
you know, there's there there are brands and there are cigars that, you know, have been around for a long time and they sell a lot of cigars because people enjoy them. And you always got to go back and, and remember, like, remember the core lines, remember the longstanding brands, some of those things that, you know, the, they, there's a reason that they're there. So, yeah, um, you can't forget the forget that, you know, everything has to be new. Yeah. So Aaron, you got it, Jeff. I want to touch one thing there. So you're really right about the. uh the overemphasis sometimes that social media can play on uh, what people think is is moving and 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 a great idea, and I've always the best testament to that has been for ever since social media kind of got pretty big. Um, everybody, oh, the Lancero, 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 mm-hmm. and as a retailer, I'm always like, Lancero is a joke. <laughs> They're Nobody good. buys it. Uh, nope. <laughs> All there is is a bunch of keyboard warriors that think that they got Avalon Cero. Yeah. At the end of the day, no one else buys it except him, and he's hoping to get him free. Yeah. So it's like, you know, <laughs> it, this the Lancero is yeah. like... I, I always say when the company decides to change that marketing strategy, the, they, I've only seen one company do Lancero as well. It's JRE does it really well with their Lanceros, but most of the other companies, when they change a marketing strategy to it, it, it doesn't... Um, and Jerry's a small company still, so um, you got to keep that in mind. So there's there's only one there's there used to be, I mean, a Macanudo Portofino, which is a short Lancero that used to sell like crazy. Nobody buys it anymore. Okay. But then um, the Opus X Lancero will still sell. But then again, that's because Opus X they don't make that many of them, right? But anything else in a, in a Lancero is like, yeah, it doesn't. You, we can put it on the shelf, no one will buy it. That's why yeah. we don't buy them. <laughs> No, it's good. Um, and then, you know, one thing I'll add to what Aaron said is, again, I, I respect any retailer who's doing a list or anything. A lot of times when we see a retail list, they're going to try to tell you what, what they like, right, which is good. But yeah. sometimes you'll see them, and it's very obvious, well, they'll sneak a cigar in there. That, it, it, I'm not saying it's not good, but they, they want to move it. This list yeah. is is a, is basically a, you're spitting out a report here. So yes. this, is so obje- this is objective is what I'm saying from your stores. So yep. that's why I, I I respect this list a lot, and uh, we uh, you know it's, it's I, I know a lot of people respect the I, I think you really built a following with I saw you guys sent an email blast out of this today of the list which I thought was great to your customers so if you're if you're on the Corona mailing list you got this list we'll put this list in the uh, as, well you can access it from Coop as well so you'll be able to do that and uh, if you want to look at this in more detail you could definitely because there's a lot of it's very interesting is what I'll tell you. It'd be the most interesting sample you can get. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. All good. All right, so Jeff, let's get into our. Um, this is uh, another segment of yours. Uh, you took this one over, the Florida Sun Grown Beef segment, brought to you by <laughs> Florida Sun Grown Tobacco. And and I went to Jeff. I said you need to have this segment. It was available, so I, we worked it out. All good. But I'm going to ask you a very unique question because normally we ask about a steakhouse or cut it. So here's my question to you. The cow. Mm-hmm. What is like a part of the cow that's a really good cut of meat that maybe people, it just slips under the radar that, you know, hey, you got to try this part. If you get a cow or, you know, because a lot of people, they could buy cows and parts of cows. What's something they should check out? I mean, I know you know all the cuts of the meat in there. For me, a skirt and a flank steak, I think, uh, are overlooked a lot. A lot of times they'll use them in like fajitas too. Right. But a skirt steak basically a churrasco flank and skirt so for me if you just get a a, i don't know if you see them in the store too much 
but a good skirt or a good flank steak and you mm -hmm. season it because there's so much, um, it's a very tender cut, right? It's lean, but, but juicy. And when you season it, it holds because it, it, it's thin, it holds a lot of seasoning. So for me, I, I love, I love a skirt or a, a flank steak and it literally takes three minutes to cook one. Yeah. I mean, it's like, shh, shh, turn it over and you're in it. This thing's done fast. So anyway, I like those a lot. Um, one of the things about a cow too, like we only sell halves or holes, right? Or you know, you buy two halves of the steer. Um, a lot of people don't realize what you get when you, uh, how little of certain cuts are on one half of a of a of a steer. There's only one brisket when you when you get a half a steer. Right. There's only one. You get one brisket. That's it. So so people don't realize that there's only one of those on a cow. Now it's big, but there's only one. Now there's a drawback to that. Brisket is probably the hardest cut of meat to, to smoke. Right. You can, it's so easy to do it to, you know, right. overdo it uh, or, or let it dry out. It takes, the bad part is it takes like three or four briskets to get yourself honed into your smoker yeah. yep. and a brisket's not cheap either. So, no. so, um, that's one of the things, but, and then another little secret too, um, like if you, when you buy half a steer, you're getting all the cuts, right? Uh, a, the sirloin has the bone in it. If you take that and, and put, put it, uh, or even a roast that has the bone in it and man, a freaking crock pot, you let that thing go in a slow cooker for like all day and, and, and half the night. The next morning you, you, you separate the meat from the fat and the bone and you just have like cold beef, Put you, you can put barbecue sauce on that and make like, instead of being a pulled pork sandwich, it's a pulled nice. beef sandwich. That's it is nice. incredible. And you don't even have to have a grill. You can do that in your apartment. Right. And it's literally people be like, damn, that was the best freaking yeah. barbecue beef sandwich I ever had. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's little, little, whatever cooking hacks that you, you just learn when you, when you have uh, a freezer full of meat, you, you just learn all these different little things that you can do. And a crock pot is your best friend on some of that stuff. Yeah. Um, I've also listened, I got this little electric master built smoker. Those things work great too. You make homemade beef jerky. It's, uh, there's nothing like it. And, and that's something that people, you know, you, you can, beef jerky is like a cigar. Some people like them peppery. Some people like them, you know, teriyaki. Some people like them real salty. You do it however you want. And it's, uh, so anyway, I enjoy, I, you know, of course I enjoy raising the cattle and everything, but I like eating them too. And so, uh, you know, I enjoy all the different things and just, we've been doing, you know, I do these FSG burger things and oh, yeah. the month, I, the month of January, we do all of our employee appreciation, uh, burger events at the store. So I'm on, I've done one, two, three, four of them. And I got two more to do, but I'll, I'll cook 600 hamburgers and hand press 600 hamburgers in the, you know, in, in a span of four weeks. So it's a lot of work, but I enjoy it. It's, it's a lot of fun. The, uh, the one part I like, uh, and it's probably not a popular part is the beef tongue. Uh, you know, my daughter's made, my daughter's made the beef tongue and tacos. It's really good. So obviously only get one of those in a cow. Yep. So yep. when, what happens is when we sell a, a half a, a side of beef, I'll ask, you know, hey, do you want the tongue or does this guy want a tongue? There's plenty of liver to go around, yep. but there's only one tongue. Right. I've never cooked a tongue. Um, 
because usually if, if sometimes when I'm taking a half, a, a customer's buying the other half, I always give them a ton. But I've, I've watched, there's two different methods of that. There's an Asian method, which really gets into that. There's three parts of that tongue and a way to do it. I've never cooked it, but um, I know like a lot of Korean recipes that that is a, right. you know, tongue's expensive, by the way. Oh, I know. It's I mean, a, well, kosher deli, it's tongue. very popular too. It's very popular. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. So tongue, tongue, like sliced tongue deli meat is, when you get good, good, it's really good. You just don't want to have an all tongue sandwich is what I tell people. You want to put a brisket or corned beef on it with it. Interesting. So, yeah. yeah, we don't have that much. I mean, for us in Orlando, two J's is kind of our Jewish deli. Yeah, it's a hard. It's a it's a hard thing to find. Um, there's one in Charlotte. There's only one place in Charlotte, but they get really yes. good tongue. So, well, if you look up on YouTube though, there's a there's a Asian chef. I think he's Korean, and he really goes over to three slices yeah. the way they do it on the tongue, and that looks really good because yeah. Korean barbecue you cook it out right on that stone in front of you and stuff too. So I've never had it, never tried it, but it's just because of usually the customers getting the other. Yeah, I, I uh, give it to whoever's buying the other half. Right. Yeah. It's I don't discard it as I tell people. It's really good. Uh, my daughter slow cooks it. I know that she slow cooks yeah, it. Yeah, a tongue is around twenty nine dollars though, so yeah, it's it, not cheap. Yeah, it's not cheap. It's big. I mean, they're big when you get them too. They're really big. People don't realize. Uh, so you yeah. just have to kind of. Uh, slice it and stuff yeah but it's very good i mean it's very tasty if it's cooked right yeah all right so that was our fsg beef segment here where we actually talked about the cow here which we so never real done quick, on on the beef segment too it's real interesting that right now you know orlando has all these conventions so right now the national national cattlemen's association the is is in town oh, so really? literally i was at the sand lake store today and i I, you know, there's certain logos that guys have, and I say, "Oh, you're in here to, for the beef uh, convention." Yeah, so literally, there's probably a bunch of cowboys sitting in the store right now with their hats yeah. on, smoking cigars right now because they were in last night too. So, nah, it's a good group of guys, and actually, the guys I was selling some cigars to today were from Calgary, Canada, and then Nova Scotia. So, yeah, wow. there's people come all all over international and all over the U.S. for this convention. It's pretty cool. That's, that is cool. That is cool. Yeah, I might I might go tomorrow. So anyway, yeah. yeah. And get some of the FSG seasonings, by the way. They're really good. Mm -hmm. uh, I always order them, so uh, they're they're a staple. There's a, there's a cool spatula too that I don't even know if it's online. I, I it should be, but I was using it the other day. There's a really cool FSG spatula. I think they were going to make a like a seasoning and a spatula package and stuff. So anyway, look look for that too. That's that's a pretty cool thing. We'll check that out. We'll check that out. Right, I'm going to switch gears with you. This is not beef related. Um, this is our what I call the ties that bind segment. And it's brought to you by tobacco RSA makers of iconic brands, such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H Upman and aging room cigars, tobacco RSA, great things are happening here. So Jeff, I'm going to name three things to you. Okay. And you guys tell me what they all have in common. Now, these three things are States. Okay. So what I'm going to tell you is, I know you travel across the country. So that may be a little hint what I'm looking for here with the three States and here, and, and, and they're not, it's not a political answer, so I'll tell you that. It all, might, right. all right. So um, the three states are Florida is the first one, Texas is the second one, and Tennessee is the third one. What do those states all have in common? And you travel, so you, you may – that may be a hint, you know, if you know those three states and going through those states. You're stumping me here. Because hmm. Florida is known for citrus, and it's known for uh, when you okay. The thing is, when cattle. you drive through those states, 
there's something they all have in common. Aaron, do you know it? I have an idea, but I want to let, I don't okay, know yeah, if I'm okay. even close, but I'll let Jeff kind of go okay. first. Yeah, when you drive through those states, like from one end to the other, they have something in common, those three states. Oh. I-10 doesn't go through Tennessee. Nope, so... it, doesn't, it doesn't go through Tennessee. It's not I-10. It's not a highway. They don't share the same river. The Mississippi the... River doesn't nope. touch Florida. Nope, nope. What happens if you drive from, like, Orlando to Pensacola? Just take that one. Yeah, Apalachicola. Mm. Big Bend. Nah. Gulf of Mexico, but that's not Tennessee. Yeah, it's not Tennessee, yeah. Jack Daniels, which is up there. I, we all yeah. sell Jack Daniels. <laughs> yeah, How's yeah, that? Yeah. <laughs> when you get it, you get it. It's going to be an old yeah when you get it. It's something I really... give up. Okay. Aaron, you want to oh, take a shot? Give me a hint. Give me a hint. Uh, I'm going to take a guess. It may not be close. It, do, do these states have certain areas where they have like an expanded speed limit? No. Okay. That was, no. like that. that was my guess. No. All right. So. There's something specific about that stretch of road that he was talking about in Florida. So when no, you I-10 goes east-west. It doesn't go through okay. Tennessee. So when you drive through each of these states from one end to the other, they all have split time zones. Oh, come on. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I didn't get that. <laughs> they all have My a split. brain's not working. I thought maybe it would no, be. A, like, sometimes I don't know if it's a layup or not. Risky. <laughs> all right. I'll give you that one. All right. no. <laughs> Aaron usually gets it. because uh, I don't tell Aaron the answer. Yeah, I didn't. I've, I've never. I've never. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been to Tennessee. So. Well, yeah, listen, I've been to Tennessee. All over Texas, all over Florida. And I got to tell you, if that's the only thing you remember out of those three states, you did not have a good time <laughs> oh. in those states. Yeah, it's, uh, Tennessee's the one that gets everyone because when you, you're in the Eastern Time Zone in Knoxville, but when you get to Nashville, it's Central. Uh, Texas, when you get to El Paso, it goes into Mountain. And Florida, obviously, when you get to the west part of the Panhandle, it's Central. So, uh, well, Tennessee, I got to tell you this, we were in Memphis over the summer. And that was uh, that was a treat, man. I didn't realize, you know, you hear certain things in history and stuff. And then we actually saw the hotel where Martin Luther King, unfortunately, got assassinated. Yeah. And, you know, so there's a lot of history there. And then going down Beale Street and then that yep. biggest Bass Pro Shops in the world right there. So, uh, yeah, man, Memphis was a cool little stop. It was an un not really unplanned, but we just kind of, you know, went there and winged it and had a good time. I drove to I drove from Charlotte to Fort Worth uh, in the fall. And uh, go see Bear. And um, when I cross the time, like, well, when I get to Memphis, there's a great rest stop right on the Mississippi and you can smoke yeah. there. It's beautiful. I mean, there's there's a little history museum they have at the rest stop, too. But it is one of my favorite places to smoke. You can smoke right on the Mississippi River with that. Uh, and you get a great that's, view. Of the that's city. the one. Is that the one that was right in front of the Bass Pro Shop Pyramid? Yep. yep. On the river. So that's yep. the little one. That's the little yeah. one. But but it, but it's yep. great. It's a great place to go. Absolutely. Uh, they have they have a little they have a little history in there. Elvis, they have an Elvis exhibit in there yep. and stuff. It's really cool. So and it's see, like, instead of, instead of remembering time zones, you got to remember that. And then if you go to Fort Worth, that the Longhorns walking down the road that they do every day, and the pictures that you take on top oh, of these big Longhorns, big deal. That with that, Fort, yeah, with the, yeah, Fort Worth is very cool. So that's a 
if anybody ever goes to Dallas, take a day, spend your time in Fort Worth. It's Fort Worth one of the is coolest little towns. Yeah, there's great. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's like a Western city. It's yeah, like got more of that Western. Town. It's a cowboy town. They have the uh, stockyard right, right near there. Um, That's right. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a nice place. Like it's much nicer than Dallas, is what I'll tell people. Uh, to go well, into, yeah. That depends. There's certain things. Like we were in Dallas, and I went to. We were at the. The Drew Estate 25th uh, anniversary party there. So we we're at J.R. Ewing's uh, ranch there. That was pretty cool seeing that, the set of Dallas. And yeah. then, uh, and the thing that, the one thing I forgot to do when I was there was, was to go to see where uh, JFK got assassinated because it's, mm-hmm. it's things always hit you differently when you go there and you have your feet on the ground where this moment in history took place and actually get to see like how far that book depository was from the, you know, from where he actually got uh assassinated so those things you know you can watch it on tv or read about it but until you actually go to a place and see it in your own two eyes and darn it anyway i forgot to do that when i was there so anyway, I, I, me, me too and to go back and it was the 60th anniversary uh right before yep. i was there so of the assassination so um yeah i didn't get to do that either so so don't be thinking about time zones think about cool <laughs> yeah. when you get to these places <laughs> All right. Fair enough, Jeff. All right. I got two smaller segments to wrap up, but I just got to do uh, a quick uh, sponsor break. So if you need to stretch, that's fine. But these won't be as long segments. Uh, so I want to mention first JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf was one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the Golden Age of Cigars, Cuba, the leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars because it's one of the most challenging ones to cultivate. It fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamstrand Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, who in the store brought their very own brand to market, and each contain the authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Sumatra. Each represent the Golden Age of Scars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at Yolk Retail. Be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, the legacy that's tasted in every drawer. And I want to mention Cavalier Geneva again. Cavalier Cigars, Cavalier Cigars, Smoke Golden, Stay Gold. You want to join that inner circle? Follow Cavalier Cigars on Instagram. And follow them on Facebook at Cavalier Geneva Cigars. That's G-E-N-E-V-E. Be sure to visit local tobacconists. Join the movement as Cavalier Cigars. They're consistently regarded highly by cigar lovers everywhere, as well as high industry ratings from the cigar industry press. And, of course, follow them on Instagram at Cavalier underscore cigars because they do some very unique giveaways throughout the whole year. Cavalier Cigars, Smoke Gold, and Stay Gold. So we're going to get into our Alec Bradley Live True segment, sponsored by Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley. Visit alecbradley.com to find out more about their cigars live true so jeff d i have six rapid fire questions for you right so these are all like most of these i kind of tailored to you okay i know you're a little bit of a conspiracy guy okay so i know you like a good conspiracy so i have a couple that are kind of in that realm i i I don't you know the difference you know the difference between a conspiracy theory and a conspiracy fact the fact is true 60 days (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I, I don't know if these are necessarily like conspiracy, but they're they're kind of things that I'm kind of curious on your thoughts are. Okay. So the first question, and I've I've seen other shows ask this. I haven't asked this. Do you believe there's aliens from other planets that have actually visited Earth? Without a question, yes. 
Okay, I kind of figured you were going to answer that one, yes. Do you ever watch Ancient Aliens from start to finish the entire, like binge watch the entire series? I have not, and I want to do it. After you watch that, it's hard to, to think that there weren't aliens. And, and when you look at the... I remember when I was a kid, I went to Mexico when I was in fourth grade. We went to the, the, the pyramids there. So you got them in, in central Mexico, you got them in Central America, you got them in so- South America, you got them in, in Asia, Vietnam, you got them in, in the Middle East. And I just don't think that all these different parts of the planet had this idea to build these pyramids all at once. And so there's and there's a lot of hieroglyphics that have I, a I've, lot this of this I've heard. I've heard this stuff. theory, yes. Yeah. So I just uh um, it's hard to not think that there weren't aliens. And then, but at the same time, what we may define as an alien may actually be, um, may, you know, listen, I, I grew up Catholic. I, you know, we studied the Bible when you're kids and stuff. And just the fact of how every religion talks about heaven, right? Anything about heavens are heavens, you know, they always, everybody talks about up, you know, what's cielo or heaven or up in the sky and stuff like right. that. And, uh, and, you know, there's a, a, a God and the, and the devil, there's good and evil. And I was never into science fiction or, or uh, Star Wars and all that other stuff. But a lot of the stuff kind of, co- you know, kind of makes sense when you talk about, you know, God, heaven, good, bad, you know, and the things people see when they die, how they see that white light. And yeah. Who knows, man? Who knows? And, uh, yeah, so I do believe that... Uh, that uh, there's, I think there's might have been more than just like aliens back in the old days. We may have had had um, some. There might have been some interactions in between because if you look at the, the, you know, I've been to Egypt, I've been to the pyramids, I've seen this, and, and uh, you look at the advancement of technology throughout that five six seven thousand years of human civilization why is it in the last 150 years things you know in the grand scheme of things five six thousand years why is the last hundred actually 125 years we had this quantum leap in technology i mean fast too right quantum leap um it's a little leaps a little questions out there hmm Interesting. All right, Aaron, I'm going to throw out a question, too. I think I know the answer to it. That's why. Okay. All right. Um, I was going to ask you, Jeff, what cigar would you give an alien if you had him? And I think I know the answer to that one. Yeah, I'm giving him an FSG. You kidding me? Yeah, exactly. Me? So I'm, I'm, <laughs> oh, repl- I'm replacing this so with hold a different... on a second. Let me, let me explain why. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's good. If I was if I was a Taino Indian. Right. And some some <laughs> island in the Caribbean. And here comes a explorer from Portugal. And I'm like, yo, I'm going to welcome him, right? And what did he do? He handed him a cigar. That's how cigars were discovered, right? The, the, the Taino Indians were smoking yeah. cigars. Right. They discovered gold. They discovered tobacco over here. But tobacco was the new thing. If I see an alien, man, we're going to smoke a cigar. <laughs> what's the other thing? Historically, tobacco has been. Yeah. Tobacco has not been an act of war. Tobacco has always been an act of peace. Right. From a peace pipe or a, a cigar. 
Yeah. Uh, it's, it was a spiritual ritual type of thing. Let's sit down and have a cigar and let's don't kill each other. All right. Let's try and figure this out. Imagine being the first, you know, Indian that had some dude from, you know, Britain or Spain. They didn't speak the language yet to try and like, you know, play like a charades here, figuring out what you're saying, but you got a cigar to slow things down to make sure that the, you know, anyway, that's what I would do. We'd be smoking FSGs and 20 acre farms and, <laughs> let's get along here let's figure out what what we can do nice nice all right and this is a question i like audible on this question here so jeff you mentioned you know conspiracy theory conspiracy fact what's a conspiracy that's out there that you're going to tell me is completely false what's one that comes to mind well just that there, there's hundreds of conspiracies oh actually the one that i i all right the one that i know for a fact that okay let's talk about chemtrails right okay <laughs> so these aircraft that you see, these jets, they're at the high altitude, and you see the white, quote, smoke behind them. That's not a chemtrail, all right? That's from the temperature difference making that white water vapor. It's, you know, however, the technology is there to, to um, spray chemicals in the atmosphere. That, that's factual. They can do that, and they have. They've talked about how they can modify weather. Um, and then also Bill Gates has also talked about, I believe it's aluminum dioxide. They talk about, you know, putting that in the atmosphere, which will help, uh, supposedly with the carbon in the atmosphere and you look it up, just Bill Gates and, and, uh, I believe it's aluminum dioxide. So anyway, they have the ability to do it. Right. But the, every time you see a jet with a big white streak behind it, it's not a chemtrail. But they've also talked about, can they put stuff in jet fuel and maybe it, it has right. some different emissions? Possible. But you got to remember, airplanes are all based on weight. How much weight can they carry, right? right. Liquids are heavy. So trust me, your American airliner out there doesn't have a, you know, a 10,000-gallon liquid tank underneath that's spraying stuff. Um, so that's one conspiracy theory where what people mostly think is a, is a, is a chemtrail. That's not true. But right. – do they have the ability to do it? Absolutely. They, they, matter of fact, uh, the ABC News even did a story where they show the airplane with a sprayer on it, and that they could spray. Think, you know, it's like cloud seeding as well. Yeah. And they have, they have, they have, you know, ways of of uh, making it rain and, and and seeding clouds. So yeah, that's all there. But you know, this 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 notion that all these white uh, trails in the air are are chemtrails. Um, no, it's from it's the temperature differentiation differentiation okay. at a high altitude when you have the heat from the from the exhaust of an airplane nice good job on that one okay good job thank you all right so these are these are lighter questions here these are not conspiracy related unless you want to make them one uh you know come on let's get to the juicy ones like the 50 <laughs> uh the 50 intelligence agencies saying that the uh hunter biden's laptop was russian <laughs> how about that conspiracy theory that was actually factual okay <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. So anyway, we won't get canceled off your show. We can, no. <laughs> we, can, uh, we can carry on to a different subject. Okay. So you're the king of transcontinental trips as far as I'm concerned. What's a transcontinental trip route or something that you still want to take that yet maybe you haven't done yet? Well, I'll tell you the one that's – this is a, this is another interesting thing, right? So in 1999 or maybe 2000 um, – See, actually, Tim Osner was in our store in October, and he brought pictures from this, too. It was really cool. So CAO Cigars did a, a display contest. That's when they released Brasilia. 
Uh-huh. And they had a display contest for all their uh, CAO cigars. And we built a really cool one in our Sand Lake store. And I even did a video where it was like, you know, training on the product and explaining everything. So I won this trip. And it was really a trip of a lifetime. We uh, went from uh, Orlando to New York, New York to London. And that New York to London leg was on the Concord, right? Okay. So I was, uh, that is something as far as technology goes that, you know, we were able to fly supersonic uh, commercial. And yet right now, I don't care what kind of money you have. You can't go do that. And so, uh, and you, you would think about how technology advances us, you know, cars get faster, computers get faster, uh, things usually get stronger, faster, better. But here we are, 2024, and we can't go jump on a supersonic plane to go take us to France or, or London. And so that was uh, a trip of a lifetime, and it's kind of weird. That's, that's one of the things that uh, my generation we all do. thought that was going to be the next thing. Like, Concords will give you yeah. the way of the future. Yeah, remember when, but, they, when, remember when it launched? My kids can't do it, right? Yeah, I've never so had a chance to do it. Yeah. So that's one of the one of the more ironic um, things that uh, technology's I'm not saying went backwards, but can't do that now. Unless you join the Air Force and get on a supersonic bomber. Yeah. <laughs> well, Van could probably uh, help you out with that one. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Chances yeah. of that are, are very hey, slim. But we'll hey, see. Hey, exactly. All right. Bucket place list. You want to smoke a cigar still? I like doing my bucket place stuff. So. That's not so much uh, to smoke a cigar still, but at some point, I I haven't traveled to the Far East. I'd, uh-huh. I'd like to go um, explore, you know, at least see that before I die. Yeah. And I hope that uh, that's possible that we don't run into a, you know, a third world war where we got, you know, China and Japan and that whole area under, a, you know, World War II. You wouldn't want to be taking a cruise out in that area, right? Yeah. Um, you know, if China invades Taiwan and things happen over there, I don't think you'll be taking a cruise to go visit that part of the world uh, for several years. So I hope I can still do that and that peace uh, prevails and we can, uh, I'd like to be able to do that. Nice. And then the last question, and I, I had this question prepared before I saw where you were. At what temperature is it too cold outside for you? Oh, man, listen, that all depends on how you're dressed. But it, right. in Florida, it you know, it, people say this all the time. When it gets down into the 40s, it feels pretty cold here. You know, yeah. there's a lot of humidity. And if it's yeah. windy, whatever. So, uh, yeah. But, like, if you're up, you know, let's say north of Tennessee, anywhere north of that, um, for some reason, 40 doesn't feel as cold. I don't know why, but it just doesn't. So, so yeah, we they say we get, you know real sensitive to cold in Florida. I just think you feel it colder here. So. Yeah. When I moved from uh, the New York area to North Carolina, it changed for me. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Now it's like 45 is cold. Uh, I don't want to have anything to do with it. So it used to be, you can get down to 30 in New York and you could deal with it. But, but also um, just by, you know, on science, it's harder to smoke a cigar in cold weather, especially if you have a thin wrapper. Oh, it's terrible. I know. Break. Yeah, you know, a cigar can't handle that. Uh, that, you know, when your cigar heats up, and the rest of your cigar is cold, it that expansion causes it the crack. Pop. So you hit that, you hit that yeah. pop. Yeah, it's the worst feeling when that happens. Yeah, so it's not really possible to smoke a, a cigar if it's too cold out. No, I know. 
I know. It definitely is. All right. I got one more question. Uh, this is a sports question, Jeff, so you may not get Hang this on. one. Coop, but... what's your conspiracy theory that, that, uh, that... – <laughs> I'm gonna throw that question back at you. Come on, you gotta. You, what's your conspiracy theory out there that uh, that everybody thinks is true, and and you know it's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> gee, that's a good one. Um, a conspiracy theory that is. Um, I mean, I actually, I've actually always said there haven't been aliens, right? But at least in my lifetime. So I'm going to I'm going to take that one off the table, right? Cuz I I I kind of what you said about the pyramids I can buy into part of that, right? Um a conspiracy theory. Um Okay, it, it's a lame one. This idea that that sports are fixed and predetermined uh it, it, it's so natural. It is so natural. It, it's you know, you hear like uh, this game's. Fi- it's not that the team won or lost. It's it's fixed. It was scripted. It's not the referees. It, the referees. I, I actually know a referee. <laughs> so I actually know a line judge. It's not. Trust me. It's definitely not scripted. Um, as far as I'm concerned, there's too much money in this. I get it, but um, it's it's too. It it it, it has to be executed in such a way to be to be scripted. It's I, I can't see it happening. So it's not it's not a juicy one, Jeff, but that's one I've I've debunked to a lot of people. When I, I think it's it. possible. I think it's possible that they they definitely can be rigged, but I don't know if it actually happens. But I will say this: I only saw one game where I thought it. I felt like something wasn't on the up and up, and it was the last uh, game that Tom Brady played uh, in Tampa when they're in the playoffs, and I never saw Brady play before and I thought oh this is awesome to see one of the greatest quarterbacks right. of all time play and um, when I was at that game when you when you're at a game live versus watching on TV you can see everything the plays develop you see the whole field right and it was really weird to see the way open receivers the ball wasn't thrown to them and see balls that were just like thrown way into the uh, you know uh, sidelines like not like even close to being out of bounds, but like 10 yards out of bounds too. And it's like this, it just something didn't look right in that game. It was really weird. And it was at a weird time too. Um, it was when that whole FTX scandal was going on with uh, Sam Brinkman Freed and his billion dollar scam. Hmm. And, and Brady was uh, involved in that, not in a way that who knows what his involvement was, but I know that he had a lot of money invested in it, whether it was, you know, I don't know, but all I'm saying is that, when you're dealing with um, criminals on that level that FTX was, do I think they could, you know, make someone, hey, you do this or else we're going to kill your, you know, your kid or something like that? Do I think it's possible that, that this, those kind of people, I wouldn't put it past them. And to see, it was just, a, it was the strangest football game I ever watched where I was like, man, this looked like, it just looked like he threw he, he was not necessarily throw the game, but he was throwing every play. It was like, this guy was like, hmm. it, it was very strange. So anyway, and you wouldn't see it on TV because on TV, you know, they're not gonna show the end, they're not gonna show. I was going to say, I was going to look at this because I don't. Yeah, but no, uh, you have to see the whole field. Yeah, you have to see yeah. the whole entire field. Yeah. You see this guy way over here. Why? Yeah. Like, Come on, man. This yeah. is weird. So anyway. Do I think it's possible? Yeah, does it happen? I don't know. I, no, you know I I'm think not a big sports guy, but I'll I'll amend what I said because I'm a big boxing fan, and boxing's as corrupt as it's come. It's become corrupt for as long as I've known it. 
and yeah, it's always yeah. gonna be that's a different I, I think this is a little bit i'm talking like i was talking more of the professional major major sports leagues as i was talking mm-hmm. about um but boxing is a completely different animal yeah so there was just, you know it's just been then, a lot of criminals running that sport the, yeah the pete rose thing was interesting too man i was a big pete rose fan i still think he should be in the hall of fame but um if you if you can gamble on the game that you're now, I don't know if they said he was gambling on the game he was playing, but still, uh, imagine if you were gambling on the play a game you were playing in, you could definitely see how you could, you know, maybe drop a ball or, you know, whatever. So, so do I think it's possible? Absolutely. Do I think it happens? I got no idea. Yeah, you know, the whole Pete Rose thing's always been a um, debate. Here's what I always say about it: show some remorse and just say, "I did it. I'm remorseful. I'm sorry." You'd be in the Hall of Fame tomorrow. I honestly believe that. I honestly, but he, he didn't do that. He's gone a very different route, uh, you know. So, you know, he's just kind of poking the bear still at age 80 with it. So, I got uh, no idea. But, but, but at the same time, maybe that means he never did throw a game for, for, for a, a bet. You know, maybe he bet on other people's games. I don't know. I, listen, it, that, this is, was, I am so not connected to sports. Okay, but, but a, that's, a good, that, that's a good conspiracy theory because we never knew some of that stuff that was found in, in the report on him. So, you know, it's the, that's good conspiracy stuff, Jeff, there. All right. Next All right. question. <laughs> All right. This is this is a sports question, but uh, I, I'm not expecting maybe either one of you to get, so I'll kind of just do it for our segment. See, Espinosa this day in sports history, sponsored by Espinosa Cigars, makers of award-winning uh, brands such as Knuckle Sandwich, Espinosa, and 601. Smoke Espinosa, smoke Espinosa every day and get to a Lizona state of mind. This is it's not a hard question. Aaron, it's it's not baseball. So but yeah, I, let's see if we get all right. I was gonna phone a friend and call Aaron if it was baseball. You you might on. get this one, Jeff. All right, because <laughs> I'll I'll throw a couple of hints in here. On this day, February first, nineteen sixty-eight, one of the all-time legendary NFL football coaches retired. And little trivia came back a year later. But people may not know. He stuck he stuck out one year and came back and he died after they came back. And he's probably was the he, most. What was he from Green Bay? Yes. Yep. Was that Vince Lombardi? That is Vince Lombardi. He retired on this day. So wait, did I get it right? You got it right. Yeah, you got it right. Yo, man, call Rocket yeah. Patel. Yeah. Yeah. Let him know I got that right, man. I'm not. I am so not even. I tried to make it a little more of a softball. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah it, like I didn't throw up batting averages tonight or anything like that. But yeah, he uh, and then he actually went back and coached the Redskins a year later. So, um, um, you know that that's what happened. Isn't okay, the Super yep. Bowl trophy named after him too? Yes. Yep. Yep. It was a big deal. February 1st, he retired. It was right after the season, after he won the second Super Bowl. He retired. So we back in December, Rocky was over, and we were smoking cigars. We have a lot of football players that come into our center right. store. And there was a football player there, and Rocky's like, man, that dude there, he's an all-pro from Green Bay. Super, I don't know. Fair Super Bowl. Did Green Bay ever win the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah, they won a yeah, few. Yeah. Okay, so he had a Super Bowl ring and stuff. And so anyway, so he came upstairs and we we're talking, we we're smoking cigars and stuff. And again, these guys talking footballs like, you know, I'm a fish out of water. But I do I do recall them saying that the Vince Lombardi trophy thing and, and going over that. So anyway, yeah. So anyway, cool. That's why I say Rocket Tell be proud. There you go. You did good. I'll let him know. I'll let him know. 
All right, one more segment here, and then we'll let you go, Jeff. So I got to just do a, a couple of sponsor breaks here to, to kind of wrap this one up. Uh, so first, I want to mention uh, our friends at J.C. Newman Cigar Company. Um, founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman, the J.C. Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family-owned premium cigar maker in America. For four generations and 127 years, J.C. Newman has been handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 113-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District in Tampa, Florida. At the factory known as El Rojo, J.C. Newman was premium cigars by hand and hand-operated antique machines, including the All-American Cigar, the American, and the Angel Cuesta. J.C. Newman Pencil Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua. It's where Brickhouse, Pearl de Mar, El Baton, Quorum, and Yagua cigars are hand-rolled. J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond cigars are handmade by Tabaco A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family, the Newmans founded the Scar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, health care, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. And I want to mention Casa Cuevas Cigars. The Cuevas family has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they have manufactured cigars for many industry leaders out of their Las Lavas factory in the Dominican Republic. Now the Cuevas family has brought their very own brand to market with Casa Cuevas cigars. You can try the Casa Cuevas line, the Cuevas Reserva line, and the latest release, the Sanguinueva. And if they don't carry it, be sure to ask your local job for Casa Cuevas cigars. Casa Cuevas cigars from our casa to yours. And we're going into our uh, industry talk deliberation segment sponsored by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. There's no deliberation when it comes to Dumbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included nine consecutive top three appearances on the half-wheel consensus, including number one cigar of the year in 2020 with the Mikarita Tricky Chaka, and in both 2022 and 2023 with the Mikarita Black. Visit DTC Cigars to find a purveyor that carries the brands of Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. So, Jeff, I have three kind of industry topics I wanted to kind of hit on this, right? Um, the first one, we kind of hit a little in the first segment, but I think this is something that is an appropriate question to ask you. And a lot's been made of cigar prices and, but you, we, we were looking at your list earlier and you have a lot of high price cigars on this list. And at the same time, we're seeing a lot of companies, Rocky's got the hundred dollar cigar, Oliva's got a $300 cigar. And my question to you is. How's this market for the luxury cigars? Do you think this is still a market that can grow? Um, to a point, it can grow. Okay. The 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 really the first company to play in that category. Um, so Gurkha always had the HMR. Yep. The the cognac season cigar, um, but that was different. It was expensive because of the cognac. But the the real comp the brand that kind of hit that market um with you know six hundred dollar cigar actually yep um was oro blanco mm-hmm. okay yep now oro blanco uh was it three or six i can't remember which one it is no um, it was five and went to six. five to start yeah. it was five to start okay. and they raised it to six hundred. Right. yeah six hundred and guess what we we i don't even know if we have any and if we did i we want more um because i've smoked it. i've smoked it twice it's very good that thing's good isn't it yeah, it I got one across really and I got one for free. So yeah. Yeah. Disclaimer. So, yeah. No receipts. So it is a yeah. it's a really good cigar. So um <clears throat> we had no problem selling those, but at the same time, it's not like you get, you know, you're ordering 50 boxes of these mm-hmm. things. You're ordering, you know, you'd have like, you know, 30 sticks. Um, so 
they kind of they kind of uh, got into it first as far as the uh, you know six hundred is a lot more than a hundred. But then um, <clears throat> Sokka with his uniform, our unicorn, oh, yep. uniform, the unicorn. Uh, we did really well with that too. Uh, hundred dollar cigar, and then as long as the cigar is exceptional, um, they they people will buy that as right. a because they want to have it as an uh, a special cigar. It's no different than a very you know, right. expensive bottle of wine or expensive uh, whiskey. It's not for everybody, but people uh, will want to have that. So we've we've done good with those. Um, so Rocky has the conviction. Um, the Oliva one, I don't think, is shipped yet. No, it hasn't shipped yet. So we'll have to see on that. Yeah. There's, I think there's room probably for about maybe eight of these brands, but it depends on who's, who's doing them too. Like, like, uh, uh Fuente Padron, no problem. Right. Uh, Davidoff, of course. Um, I actually think that that, that Padron Fuente, uh, collaboration cigar should be at least $300. Um, just because there's not a lot of them. Right. And not only is that a special Padron or a special, here's the thing. So when I was talking to George about it, he goes, they want, this is two different cigars. Yeah. So they really want you to buy one of each. Yeah. So you can taste what George did and taste what Carlito did. So even still, it should be 300 bucks because there's not, there's hardly, a, there's very few of those cigars. So, um, and, and they're not meant to sell out in a, in a week. These are things that are meant to sell slowly because it's a spe- it's like we have, you know, McAllen 72. Right. Which that's, that's like a, that bottle's worth like $150,000 now. Okay. So it's not meant to sell very fast. It's, it's very expensive. And for the guy that, that wants a $3,000 ounce of very old and rare whiskey, we have it. And, and like when Padrona Fuente does this, um, I don't think they're doing it. They're not doing another one. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's a one and done and there's not a lot of cigars. So brands like Fuente Padron, Davidoff, uh, Steve Saka. I think, uh, I think Lido can do one too, for sure. Pete Johnson can do one. Look, we got the, uh, Tatuahi. I was just going that was my next thing I was going to ask you about. Yeah. Okay. That's, uh, I can't remember how much that is. That that might be a hundred. It's a hundred. Okay. A hundred. All right. Yeah. There you go. So, so as long as the customer has confidence in the person that's putting it out and knows that these guys are capable of making exceptional products, there's room for that. What there's not room for is marketing gimmicks in that category. Yeah. Um, the cigar does have to be exceptional, has to be packaged nice. Yeah. But if the if the if the customer thinks it's no different than one of their um $30 or $25 cigars. Uh, it's not going to go over too well. Yeah. Let's, let's go back uh, to another brand. Padron 50th, right? Right. Um, I, I don't remember if those are 50 or hundred bucks a stick. I, I paid 106 way, for mine, but it was because of the humidor was being factored into the price. Okay. So yeah. let's say they're hundred dollars cigar, right? But uh, a regular Padron is, you know, 20, $30, depending on which uh, 
whichever one you're getting on the on the uh, like family reserve. Some of the family reserves are actually more than that. But anyway, at a hundred dollars a cigar, first off, you know they're very rare, and you know that from Padron they're they're very good. And that cigar does have a different flavor profile to it. You can taste the age in that tobacco, and mm-hmm. like when they do, you know, like the Padron 80th, do that. That tastes different, right? Yeah. So as long as the customer knows that the the cigar doesn't taste like just like a repackaged whatever, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's room for it. Yes, there is. Okay, good, good. Now you mentioned the Tatuai NFT. Um, you mm-hmm. got the first NFT. I don't think that's a secret, yeah. right? So I think no, everyone knows- bought it. Yeah, you bought I only it. kept a secret for the for the time that the first six were being sold right after right. that yeah we want to let okay. people know yeah so you you cracked that you cracked a pretty mm-hmm. big number with that one I um, it was a hundred thousand dollars wh- was it worth it in your mind uh yeah because we look at it as a long-term thing right um so that's because i already know that we've got people that want very rare exclusive uh-huh. special cigars right so if we're already selling you know six hundred dollar or a Blanco's $100 unicorns. Right. Um, I know we can sell a $100 NFT to Twahi. Pete has a great following and he has a great reputation. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I am putting $100,000 worth of confidence in his brand in the cigar. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's why I did that. And so, um, and, and I know that we'll be able to be able to sell them. Right. Do you it's think gonna this- take a while to it's gonna take a while for us to recoup that, but right. you know, I've been in the business for what twenty eight years, so Yep, so you're no long haul with that. Do, yeah, do you we'll, think this, we'll keep selling. Do you think this NFT thing's gonna come to a close? You think it's gonna come back? What are you what are your thoughts on that? I'm not a huge fan of the NFT um as much as uh just rolling them out like a special cigar like the like a the way Oro Blanco's done. I'd rather have it go that way. Than yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, because it's can it can be controlled better. Um, it's just less risky on everybody. I think I think for a retailer, um, even for us, you know, spending a hundred thousand dollars that's a big investment. And, yeah, I know. Yeah, and you don't want to. Uh, what if it's a flop? You know, yeah. and I don't think that's really fair on the onus. Of the, I mean, listen, it's a gamble, right? Um, but let's say the other five retailers have, and let's say it doesn't work out, right? Uh, you know, nobody wants to see somebody get burned like that. No, and, no. And it, it, it hasn't happened, but but I'm saying that's the risk. NFT is a really risky proposition, so I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, like, for example, there's there's definitely room for a $100 uh, Andalusian bowl type of product right. from LFD. Um, yeah, they've got the the, the golden, the golden NFT. The yeah, the, now it's yeah. a golden NFT. They don't use bull anymore, from what I heard. Okay. Yeah. So, but like, if you had another uh, uh, special, you know, bull type of cigar, absolutely, people because they already know how good the bull is, right? Yeah. So if they had uh, a special type of cigar, um, you know, Lido Gomez, people have confidence in that. That would sell. Right. So. So more of a fan of that than, than the NFT. But yeah, how crowded can the mar- market get? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I looked at it like buying this. a like a seat license for a football game. You know, it was an investment. Then obviously there were some things that came along with that, which I think yeah. has some inherent value too. Um, it does. But, and but number one, me, yeah. I know that we the, the cigar part is where we're for us. Where the, right. That's what I was 
Yep. Wanting more. Yep. So you're happy with it. It's, it's moving. You know, it's a long-term thing, but it is moving for you. It's not like you felt like you got stuck with something. No, no, we sell it. Absolutely not. You have to remember too. We've all, we have a long history with being successful with Tatuahi uh, products too. Yeah, that's true. So whether it's the TA uh, limited edition, we like to sell more of those than anybody. So we, we, we go heavy on that kind of stuff. When he does his limited release stuff, we order as heavy as we can and tell him to send as much as we can. Because, uh, yeah, our, our, I know that our customers will buy it. They like it. They're looking for it. And that's our job to supply, you know, get those cigars for our guys that, that are looking for them. Nice. All right. Um, this question, I'm looking for more of a reflective type of answer. I think, obviously, you know, you, when you kind of, years ago, you, you were one, you were the founder of the CRA. Um, uh, co-founder. The co-founder. Yep. yep. Yeah. Okay. But you did. Yep. But Keith, you mentioned that. Um, and there's been a big victory and I'm kind of just wondering your reflections now because you were an early Patriot in this flight, uh, fight, excuse me. How do you look at this right now? Kind of reflecting back on this and this journey. And what are your thoughts? I'm just kind of curious. We've won a battle, a big battle. But we haven't won the war. These right. guys are, these guys aren't going away. They're well-funded. They're funded off of the sale of the product that they're trying yeah. to put out of business. So they're not going anywhere yeah. um, until we can get a, a, the only way you really have some really good assurances if, uh, if Congress ever uh, solidifies that exemption. Uh, and I don't know if that'll ever happen. We always knew that by, with congressional pressure, it would steer the uh, FDA on, on how they acted. Um you know, it kind of give them guardrails to not go too far off the edge and put pressure on that to go crazy. Um, but in the end, you know, we, these guys aren't, they're not going to go away. I, but my gut also says um, the science is on our side, but I also know that agencies like the FDA or the EPA uh, or any of these three letter ag three letter agencies um, you know, science is not, they, they, you, these guys are such liars, you know, they, they, it doesn't matter if you have studies that say this, they'll hide it, they'll lie about it. They, you know, we, you can't trust them at all. But, uh, but the good part is, is that, you know, I've been in the business for a long time and you look at these guys that are, have historically been in the cigar business, whether it's, uh, George Padron's dad or, or, Eric Newman's father, Avo Vezian, or you name it, Rolando Rice, these guys all lived a long time and they all smoked cigars. And if I saw patriarchs of these families and these cigar makers dropping dead early, I'd have a different, uh, a different opinion. Right. But I'm telling you, uh, you know, I judge facts by my own eyes and I see that not only do I not see guys that are, that are getting sick from cigars, I've seen them live longer. I'm seeing old people that are productive, that are still functioning, that aren't, you know, in some wheelchair in a, in a, in a, in a old folks home. These guys, you know, Stanford Newman died in his office working. Uh, George's dad was, you know, working up to the end too. Uh, you know, I can just go down the list because yeah. a lot of the guys I did business with were, you know, passed away, but they all died 80, 90 years old. I mean, late eighties too. So so anyway, I think the science is on our on our side as far as uh, the cigar lifestyle. I actually think it's a healthier lifestyle. 
uh, everything in moderation, but, yep. uh, and especially with the way, um, society's going with, you know, so many people trapped in a room playing video games. Um, that's pretty unhealthy in my opinion versus being active, getting out of the house and interacting with people in a cigar store. So anyway, that's, I, I think we're, I think we've got battles, but I, I think we'll win them, but the, the fight's never going to end. And that's unfortunate because if you look at how much time and effort the industry has to spend battling this stuff versus time and energy that could use for something for good, um, yeah, it's a complete waste of time and money that we shouldn't have to deal with, but we do. Understood. Yeah, I agree. All right. My last question for you uh, for tonight is I know you're not going to be necessarily at the trade show this year. But the trade show has moved to the spring. Next year, it moves to New Orleans. I want your thoughts on both. I'm kind of curious to see what your thoughts are on the move of the trade show to the time of the year and the next year going to New Orleans. You see me smiling right now, and that's because when you said New Orleans, my head goes to Drago's for those grilled oysters. I love the food in New Orleans. And so, uh, yeah, New Orleans is a dirty city, but they got the best. I was wondering. I, I, this answer, that surprised me that answer. I did. I thought you may have a different answer with yeah, that one. Yeah, no, nah, man. New Orleans is a dump, but I tell you what, they got good food. Okay. And uh, so I'm kind of glad it's going back there. I like the change of scenery, but but I think again, I, I like I like the grilled oysters, and I like Creole, and I like the oh, yeah. I like the people of Louisiana. I think they're some of the most hospitable people, and 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 warm and welcoming. So so I like I like Louisiana. Um, yeah, the trade show this year, I was, you know, I, I the only reason I'm not going is I got caught off guard. Uh, right. That's my fault. Uh, I didn't schedule it on my calendar and I, I didn't realize it was so early. And and uh, we made commitments with Patron Tequila that we need to go pick some barrels. Um, so, unfortunately, I'm going to miss the show. But um, I think once, and I have, a, I, I, unfortunately, I think it's going to happen to a lot of people. So we're just kind of, we're so used to planning that show in the summer, summer yeah. that, you know, all of us kind of have a, our years always tend to be somewhat cyclical. Right. And so now we got to remember, Hey, the, the show is actually uh, in the spring. So anyway, uh, you know, I'm actually kind of, I'm happy it's out of New Orleans or out of uh, Las Vegas. I do like the shifting of cities just because of the change of scenery, change of, uh, mm-hmm. of, of, you know, places to dine at. Yeah. Um, and, but I'm a, I am a huge fan of the PCA. Uh, I, I love that organization. I think it represents us perfectly. When I say perfectly, it represents the category of what a retailer is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not geared towards, uh, and actually my wife and I are talking about this today. There's so many of these vape shops and, and smoke shops opening up around us. And they all say that smoke and smoke shops and all have things to cigars, but you walk in, it's nothing but vape. It's, I mean, it actually, it's not a good representation of, of, of even the word cigars, in my opinion. No. So, uh, you know, it, it just adds to the whole, uh, you know, a few years ago when some, you know, a lot of these people are using vape to smoke uh, whatever gets them high and stuff. And, and you know, a few years ago, they had some people died from it. And then all of a sudden, when something like that happens, it makes the government do a knee-jerk reaction. It's like, oh, let's just do this. And next thing you know, flavored cigars are banned. It, it was, yeah, wait a minute, wait a minute. It wasn't a flavored cigar. You know what I'm saying? They, they, the kids aren't, they, you, you know, I have kids in high school. They're not smoking flavored cigars. They're in, in the bathroom vaping. That's what they're doing, right? Yeah. And they're, and matter of fact, in the high schools here now, they have a vape disposal 
bin inside the bathroom. And the reason why is because the kids were flushing these vape pens down the toilets. <laughs> and when they get flushed down the toilet, they get lodged in the, the pipes on the ground. And you just can't take a snake to bust a, a right. metal right. vape pen, right? So literally, they're having to bust up floors to unclog toilets. And some of them, the whole sewer system was stored of, oh of, of a school. So literally, so, so they, they have a vape disposal box in the bathroom. And, and so, yeah, man, these kids are smoking, vaping left and right. But it's like when the government comes down on it, what do they do? Oh, they come up with these crazy rules. Next thing you know, you know, they're, they're giving our, our sales associates a, a fine or a citation because somebody was 29 years old and didn't get carded when he bought a cigar. You've, which is the rule, by the way, you got to be, you're supposed to card anybody up to 30 years old. Yes. Okay. Now imagine a 29 year old that's been coming into Corona cigar for the last 10 years. And our sales guy doesn't card them. And there's an FDI, F, FDA, or you name a three letter agency that can write us up for that. Happens to see, Hey, that guy was actually 29 and you didn't card him. So we're going to, you know, write you a ticket for this or whatever. That's what I'm talking about, the knee-jerk reaction that gets us in trouble when this guy's totally legal to buy it. And an adult smoking a cigar is not the problem, right? The problem was, you know, the, the 15-year-old that's, you know, vaping who knows what. And, and so that's all I'm saying is that I think the PCA represents what premium cigar tobacconists are. The retailers, it represents their category well. And it is the number one trade association for what we do. Yep. And there's a lot of uh, gray area, you know, God bless the guys that have a smoke shop selling all that stuff. They're, it's America. They should be able to start their business and do whatever they, you know, have a business. But at the same time, you need to take the lumps that come with it, not us. When I say lumps, meaning the, you know, the, the when the government gets mad that, 15 year olds are vaping take it out on the on the on the vape shop not on the cigar shop yeah i agree you know it's funny all, all when i see the word tobacco store in north mm -hmm. carolina most of the time it's not a cigar store it's a vape store. yeah exactly it's, it's, a, it's a cigar store it's different yes. but i've seen this in the last few years like unfortunately most of these tobacco stores are alternative products is what i've seen that's right so it, it like my wife will say, there's a new store. And she says, why don't you? I said, it's a tobacco store. It's not premium cigars. They may have some in there, but nothing, you know, it's it's very different. They're on almost, almost every shopping center here in Central Florida. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw a bunch of them when I was down there. Yeah. So, yeah. but like I said, I'm not, I'm not, you know, saying these guys shouldn't exist. All I'm saying is that when the heat comes, they, they will, when the heat comes down, we're going to get caught in it. You're right. Yeah. All right. So that's going to bring us to the end of the show, Jeff. I want to thank you very much uh, for being on. Hey, man, let's tell a joke or something after that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't have, you know. Aaron, uh, give something funny. Oh, good. I'm glad you put him on the spot. With that. Oh, that man. I don't have, I don't, I'm not good at jokes. Uh, all right. I'll come up with one. This isn't, okay. this isn't. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. That, that's all right. All right. All right. So it's a pilot joke. Okay. So there's this pilot flying this, this plane and he had Hillary Clinton and, and uh, Barack Obama on. <laughs> And these guys, this is back when they're, they were uh, campaigning or whatever. So while they're flying over there, Hillary goes, when we get on the tarmac and all those people are out there, I'm just going to go up to a random person, give them a $100 bill and make them happy. 
Barack Obama looks at her and he says, you know what? I'm going to do one better. I'm going to take $101 bills. And the first 100 people in line, I'm going to give them all $1 bill. <laughs> the pilot overheard this. He goes, you know what? I'm going to open the door and throw both of you some bitches out and I'm going to make all of America happy. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's my joke. Uh, all right, that was not good. a bad one. Not a bad yeah, one. Yeah, he did better than I would. So that's, <laughs> that's good. That was, good. That was really good. That... All right. Uh, okay, we'll end on a little bit of a of a note. Next week's show, uh, five times two ninety six. We have the man of a thousand cigar releases, the man of a thousand cigar vacations, and the man of a thousand excuses coming on. Justin Andrews, SDG. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong on any of those three? Uh, I think you're probably close to correct, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Aaron, be ready. I'm sure he's going to be guns blazing on you. So. That's okay. I'm I'm always up for it. <laughs> All right. So it be, it's always a fun show. So, Justin will be on next week uh, for Primetime 296. Uh, Jeff, thank you again. We really do appreciate it. I'm glad we got to do this. It's been a while. We'll definitely be doing this in Orlando again um, for sure. And I know it was short notice, so we do appreciate that one as well. Listen, thanks for having me on the show and appreciate what you guys do. I know how many episodes was this year? You're at how many? 300? 295. 295. Man, that's a lot of God bless you guys. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> a lot of people don't know how much work that is. So anyway, thank you for doing what you're doing. Independent media is very important. And we uh, do. You help us you out know, a lot. And we, we don't take yeah, that for granted. We really appreciate this as well. well. I, great. I, don't don't underestimate the impact of independent cigar media. I think it's great. And, and you're. You guys and all these other ones, I keep saying that's the reason why we have so many uh, younger cigar, uh, I call them aficionados, because shows like this, man, these guys just soak up the knowledge, and you're a big part of that uh, knowledge pipeline. Oh, and, and you are, too. We learn from you as well, um, for sure. So um, we'll have to do a more, a more conspiracy episode, so stay tuned. We'll have to do something more with that. I don't know. Listen, man, I don't want your show to get canceled. I want you to still be there. So I think we uh, that last joke may have got us a few uh, maybe so here, here's, community here's notes. The deal. And I don't want us, here's the deal, want us getting canceled. When you're, when you're ready to shut down the show, when you said you've had enough of the show. <laughs> Jeff is the final guest, right? Right, right. And, and you just, like you said, yes. go out guns blazing. That is a great idea. Yeah, I'll, I'll get you banned from every platform except for X. You'll have one one outlet out there, Rumble and X. Those are going to be yep. the two channels. Yep. Uh, by the way, our Rumble on. numbers have really grown in the last year uh, with Coop. I mean, it, it has actually been extraordinary what I've seen with the growth on Rumble. So we're well, seeing. Listen, ser seriously, you need that. That's very important because uh, yeah. um, you don't want to be. Um, it, it, listen, these guys, it could, you could be doing nothing wrong, period. Yeah. Um, but YouTube could simply just take a no tobacco stance. Listen, we can't advertise on, on uh, you know, Facebook, YouTube or anything like that. So, um, you know, these yeah. guys could pull the plug on all those shows. So yeah. it's very smart to try and diversify as much yeah. as you can because I'd hate to see you lose the, uh, you know, you put so much, yeah. almost 10 years probably into this now. Yeah, um, I have a lot of I have everything obviously backed up locally, but yes, I'd like to keep the platforms. And Rumble's been a very, like I said, it's a growing platform. I've seen it really. Uh, I've seen it, the numbers. We that was our biggest uptick last year was on Rumble for sure. Yeah, uh, good. Was, yeah. So it was all good. All right, and of course, thanks to our audience. Thank you guys as well. That's gonna wrap up primetime episode two ninety five in the annals of history for Thursday, February first, two thousand twenty four. Now February second, two thousand twenty four. Eastern time zone. We'll catch everybody next time. Take care, everybody. See you guys. Bye. Thank you.